warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Is the long drive to work getting you down? Do you feel like the other drivers want to run you off the road and beat you with the tire iron of life? Relax. Take a break. And let the fun of sci-fi news geeking ease your drive time woes. Slice of sci-fi. It's not as good as having a stormtrooper on your hood. But it's close. Sliceofsci-fi.com the Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast, where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. Hey guys, I'm Steve. And I'm Sam, and we're Super Guitar Bros. And you're listening to the Bone Bat Show. Here we go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 105, 105 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? 
What's going on, right? Long time no speak, long time no see. I know. God, it's just, I don't know why we haven't talked. I've been pretty mellow down here. It's weekend. I just kind of hung out. Football hasn't really started yet, so I did a little bit of gardening and, you know, just... Nothing going on. I think I filed. I was in my office. I did some filing. Yeah, yeah. What about you? You doing anything cool? Oh, I went to PAX. PAX? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know what? I, I don't want you to feel bad, so you didn't miss anything. Oh, good. It, it was none make of it. Me feel really bad if I miss packs. <laughs> nah, man, it was freaking awesome. I missed you. This is the first time in like four years we haven't got packs together. I missed you too, Steve. But we, uh, I did something else because you said in advance. Oh, Steve, my brain hurts. I can't go to packs. The lights will make me freak out. So I actually uh, got tickets and took my family, and I had a, a really cool time kind of approaching it from a different angle, you know what I mean? Seeing the show through new eyes, fresh eyes, and in a different way, and it was a great time. Kept your pants on this time? I did, I did, yeah. Oh, that's a different way to see facts for you. <laughs> Definitely a different way. Panted. I, I don't know why we keep playing these strip games of Halo 4 on the... <laughs> yes. On the console free play area. That just seems like it's... It, they're, they're probably an enforcer should say something to us. I don't know. Maybe they have. Maybe they've encouraged us, urged us on. I don't know. <laughs> well, they, they, they like looked at my ID when we checked out a game. So they didn't... like My picture wasn't up on the wall or anything. <laughs> no, there's not like a, <laughs> Megan's list of... Uh... No, nothing, nothing at all like that. I, I think I've got the, the high sign. Because when we started doing the uh, strip Mortal Kombat for body shots, that's, <laughs> I was afraid we were crossing the line. Yeah, you would think, but nah, nah, it was fine. Oh, good. <laughs> so, dude, this episode, of course, as we mentioned, the PAX episode uh, just finished. I've got three days of jam-packed information interviews to bring you. Additionally, our musical guest this episode is something a little different for us, a little classical style guitar, but classical style guitar by way of video game music. We are listening to the Super Guitar Bros from that's Michigan. A, that's super. Super Guitar Bros. Uh, opening the show this episode, you heard their medley of Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2. Very cool stuff, and we've got a lot more as well as an interview forthcoming, so I hope you enjoy the music. I gotta say, this band, it, I'm very impressed with them because the cool thing is, you remember in high school, like I took guitar. Yeah. And as a, as a half assed guitarist, I, I appreciate. You learned a chord, if I recall. Yeah, I learned one. No, three. You had to learn three for rock and roll. But uh, just my, I have appreciation for the instrument. And the music they play is like this music that, because they're long suites oftentimes. And so there'll be like this half remembered music from a, a time when you were having just a really great time. Because who doesn't have an awesome time whenever they're playing video games? And so you hear like a, something from Sonic the Hedgehog or Mario Brothers or whatever it is they're playing. And it just it fills me with happiness. It's such cool, cool music. And I, I hope everybody else likes it as much as I do. Well, I'm glad you're fulfilled. I am. But, you know, beyond being fulfilled, I'm also regularly pissed off. So why don't we do what we usually do about this time? Let's do it. Gord. What pisses me off? Gord. Steve. Gord. Steve. What, Gord. Steve. What pisses Steve. you Steve. off, man? <laughs> it really tickled you, didn't it? That did for some reason. <laughs> Gord, go, 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 go. Steve, you know what pisses you me know, off? Death Star fucked up. They left Bill Beats here after the last episode. 
He's just, he's just underneath the couch. Sitting in the guest room for weeks. Can't get rid of him. I hear he comes in handy. He'll remix anything. <laughs> Got an old frappe that's no longer mixed right. He'll remix it. <laughs> Got some cake batter. Mixing it up. Yeah, you know what pisses me off, Steve? What's that? Not going to PAX. <laughs> because it is truly our playground there. It's just a whole bunch of stuff that we love, whether we know it or not. And uh, this year, I was, I was just too damaged, I felt, to uh, to go to PAX, so I had to not do it. And boy, was that not fun, not going to PAX. I'm sorry, like, I, I sort of felt bad when I was posting photos and stuff. <laughs> Because on the one hand, I wanted you to kind of see what was going on, you know, to feel like you weren't totally blind to it. But on the other hand, I also felt like, oh, I wonder if I'm like rubbing salt in the wound. No, no, you were fine. Although I have it on good authority that apparently I was a dick this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I I see. No, just knowing PAX, I, I think I'm kind of a dick during PAX East week. Just knowing that PAX is going on anywhere in the world. PAX Australia. Yeah, you're, you're a dick during PAX yeah, Australia. I, I might have to be a dick during PAX Australia, just knowing that I'm missing something somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> so if anyone really wants to know what's up with that, I wrote a uh, blog post about having a concussion and the nearly year-long uh, fun time I've had with that, and hell, we'll probably even post a link to it on the site. Yeah, I can absolutely do that. So what about you? I hope you aren't coping with any physical or mental pain you know actually i am uh, it, it's been so long since we we did a show but well, the, the thing that pisses me off is my rib cage you're because it's my, too large to hold your teeny my, tiny little icy heart <laughs> my <laughs> my rib cage my not up to par rib cage okay so a couple of weeks ago we camping with our friends up in uh, birch bay northern washington just beautiful up there and And before you go any further yes i I think i kind of have the corner on the market of weird stuff going wrong with me i've had like half deafness and i've had all kinds of brain and spine issues you're going rib cage on me yeah but you know a lot of times though the stuff that happens to you it's act of god this was totally self-inflicted so we take the kids to the water slides right Right. And so I'm thinking, yeah, I'll go down the water slide. So I, I'm going down kind of the, they have some, some more difficult ones and they have some easier ones. And so I, I go down, to, there's a series of four and I go down one. It's a lot of fun. Go down more the next one. You require, is there some sort of technique that you need to nah, master? Nah, they're just more twisty, more steep, maybe out of the original drop and stuff like that. Okay. And so, so I was going on the ones that were on the, the little bit lower. I'm a large man, and so you know, I, I do recognize that physics is a cruel mistress. And I, I did want you displace a lot of water. Yeah, I didn't want to, you know, put myself in danger. So I was kind of taking it easy. And so I get on this one called the snake. The snake looks deceptively calm. It's a motherfucker, Gord. <laughs> so I go. To, I'm going down the snake. I push myself off, and I'm zipping back and forth. And I'm about three quarters of the way through the water slide, and I arc way up high on this corner, right? And instead of continuing smoothly through the turn down into the trough, I get up to the apex of the arc, and I drop like a sack of cement directly down on the bottom of the water slide on my ribs. And I've got my, my fist crossed across my chest, so my elbow slams right into my rib cage like over my liver and <laughs> Extra knocks 
pretty much knocks the wind out of me. Somehow I hurt my big toe, too. I don't even know what the hell happened. Wow. I come out, and I'm sitting there wheezing. And I'm in pain. Oh, my God. And, like, for the last four weeks, my ribs have hurt, hurt, hurt all the time. Now, they're, they're better now because, like, the first two weeks, just anything would set them off, particularly, like, coughing. Coughing was bad. <laughs> Laughing. Hiccuping? But, you do hiccuping? Oh, dude. Hiccuping, would, yeah, that would have been bad. But the worst was sneezing. Oh, the sneezing would be excruciating to the point of it's like you know you're about to sneeze and you know it's just gonna hurt so so very bad and it's like i wonder if i like if i shit myself or maybe if i <laughs> rub one out just any other like physical thing to distract my body to keep me from sneezing i would almost do i would almost make that trade you can do it actually so i'm sitting there you know in my own filth no, <laughs> i'm not but god damn that hurt oh so I finally later, you're still a broken Yeah, man. you know what? It still hurts like when I sleep I'll I'll, I'll roll over at night and I'll lay on that side of the, my chest, my right side, and it still it still has a twinge to it. Although now I can laugh and cough and it's not so bad, but man that took a long time. And I just knew, you know, I didn't even go to the doctor for it cuz rib injury just got to buckle down. It's going to be 4 to 6 weeks. It's going to hurt. Nothing you can do. You wrap it maybe. Put ice yeah. on it. You and got you a know, Wikipedia and her rib injuries. The only entry is you're fucked. That's just all it says. <laughs> yeah, there was never any sharp pain. It was always kind of a dull ache, so I kind of felt like, well, it's probably not anything that's that's too bad. And it is getting better now, but man, there it's been... There was no bone protrusion through the skin? No, no, nothing like that. It doesn't okay. hurt when I breathe or anything. I'm not wheezing blood, which yeah, is a good thing. Yeah, do you occasionally just sort of cough up a pink froth? <laughs> no. Red mist? No. Okay. So yeah, that's that. My ribs have been pissing me off. They they can't stand the. Uh, maybe I'm just getting old. Maybe a 45 year old man has no business being on the fucking water slides. God, maybe so. Or maybe a 45 year old man of my girth. Maybe I should lose a few pounds before the next water slide trip. I would not say that. I wouldn't say that at all. Well, physics, man. The more weight going into the turn, right? I don't know. Just yeah, the more weight falling on your rib. <laughs> I almost cracked a rib by, I was holding a box of beer under one arm and uh, slipped on the ice and fell on said box of beer. Ow. Zoop, boom. And uh, yeah, cracked a rib, right? That sounds absolutely painful. Luckily, I was able to medicate myself because I had a box of beer. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good thing. (laughs) If only I had, oh, thank God. (laughs) All right, dude. Well, why don't we listen to another tune from Super Guitar Bros? Why don't we? This is Super Mario World's Castle.
Once again, that was Super Guitar Bros with Super Mario World Castle. Very cool tune. So, dude. Dude. Pax. Go ahead. Let's just let's lay just, all that Pax. Let's jump right into I'll some try games. To experience it vicariously. Let's do that. Okay, so uh, game wise, uh, went in on Friday morning and I uh, was chatting with some people in line. And uh, have you heard of a game called Watch Dogs? I've heard of a food called Hot Dogs. No, totally different thing. So this okay. game Watch Dogs has been in development for a while, and I had read something in the past about it, but I'd kind of forgotten. And so uh, when I heard about it again, and thanks to Camille from GirlGamer.com, a very cool female-centric gaming outpost online for the reminder. Anyway, I went in straight away to do kind of the, they had the in-room demo where they kind of show you the film. And uh, very cool game. Basically what it's kind of like is imagine Grand Theft Auto in a world where hacking and computers are your main weapons. So you can be walking... Guns, firearms. yeah, firearms, and normal criminal sort of tools or weapons you'd use. Your main weapon is hacking, and so you can do things like changing streetlights so that you can evade pursuit, or hacking into other people's ATM accounts to get money and stuff like that. that and so boring as shit. Nah, well, the, it's, so it's got missions and things that you do, but the interesting thing was the multiplayer. Check this out. It's asymmetrical multiplayer, so say... You're playing a first-person shooter type of a game where you have to get from point A on a map to point B on a map and maybe set some bombs or some timers or something along the route. All right. So you would be playing that. I would be playing against you on a tablet or a notebook or another device, potentially, a tower defense game where huh. I am. it's a top-down, like I am running the grid Dropping cops, calling in helicopters, trying to chase you down, setting up roadblocks. Oh, you'd be a real dick about things, wouldn't you? I, isn't that cool? I've that never heard idea. of like a, a way to play against each other on two different devices this way. And then, you know, you'd switch at the end and play opposite ways. I like it. I like the idea. But it also has, like, you know, like the mission of there's this guy and his, you're in a world where basically surveillance is hyper- and over the top, and something has happened to his family, and so he has to protect his family using hacking and surveillance and all the tools at his disposal to protect his family. So maybe like a Taken type of a situation was what I gathered. They were sort of secretive and not wanting to give away too much, but I was really fascinated by the way everything was going. And I believe it's coming out early November for all systems, so it's a game we'll be able to play really shortly. Cool. Following that, I, one I know that you're absolutely interested in, XCOM. Take my money. Give okay, me the game dude. already. So the, the new game is called uh, XCOM Enemy Within, and uh, it, basically it is an expansion pack to the existing game. So in this game, there's a new resource, which is called Meld. Yeah. And Meld, it will be found in timed canisters on the mission maps. So, oh, so you can't be all slow and methodical. Exactly. There'll be an easy one that's near the front of the mission and then a harder one that's further away on the map. And so you'll have to send dudes after it if you want to get the meld. Now, what the meld does is gives you the ability to research two new tech trees, cybernetics, which allows you to make mechs, and genetics, which allows you to gene modify your soldiers. So, that sounds kind of racist. So, gene modification, you get your meld, so you autopsy a thin man, right? Right. And you use meld, you can make your... You know the, how the thin man has the ability to jump up on top of buildings? 
Yeah. You can give your sniper that ability. Ooh. You think you could use a sniper that can jump up on top of a building? I think yeah, you can. Yeah, that's why I always put him in those little flying suits. Exactly. So you, the, you go down the other tech tree, and you can research mechs. And these are like these badass power armor units with rocket punch. That's what I'm talking about. And literally, you punch like an alien, and he goes flying across the screen and explodes. It's awesome. Like a Hawaiian punch. And it has uh, there's other little features like uh, needle grenades. So it's a grenade that you can throw, and it'll kill people, but it won't destroy your cover. Oh, that's nice. It's kind of like a neutron bomb. Exactly. And uh, there's also uh, some new psychic abilities as well, like neural feedback. So it damages aliens that try to uh, mind control you. Oh, that'll teach them. Yeah. And the mechs, when you go that tech tree route, you can also have uh, flamethrowers for your units. And nice. I guess, as I understand it... Is it one tech tree or the other, or can you do both? You can do both. But, as I understand it, if you it's, it's like if you go hard on one or the other... You said hard on it'll be more, It'll be more powerful. The skill will be more powerful. It will become diluted if you mix mech and genetic. Okay. Anyway, so a ton of new maps, as I understand. I asked the guy, so, like, how big is this compared to the original game? He said, kind of enigmatically, not wanting to give away too much, that what just what I've told you is just a little sliver of what is available in the game. The game well, is I should a, hope so, because they're, they're charging full freight for this, right? Yeah, it's thirty nine ninety nine for the Commander Edition. So you get all of XCOM Enemy Unknown, all the expansion stuff... So you, there's the Elite Soldier and Slingshot add-ons as well that you get, plus all the new stuff. Oh, okay. For That's forty bucks, thirty nine ninety nine for console or twenty nine ninety nine for PC. What? Yep, PC's yeah. always cheaper, dude. Doesn't make me like it anymore. <laughs> Doesn't make me hate it any less. But think, uh, think of it. You can go back and replay the whole game again with the new units. I have gone back. I and know. The so whole game again. third, nice. fourth playthrough. I don't know what you're on now, but. I've totally stopped my uh, my most recent playthrough, so I can uh, include this in my next one. Good idea. So it comes out on November 12th, that XCOM Enemy Within. 11-12. Yep. Got it. Don't have a release date for this yet, but TK Baja's Bloody Harvest Headhunter Pack. Oh my goodness. For Borderlands 2. So I actually got to play part of this. Really cool. So basically, TK Baja... Returns from the dead. And I was going to say, he died. Yeah, he did. So we're going to have to find out how he ends up coming back. But he's sending you on missions because the Pumpkin King is basically hassling the local town's members. So you have a situation where you have to go and fight this guy. There's a huge field full of pumpkins, and you have to turn this big valve, which drenches the entire field in blood, okay. which makes the Pumpkin King come. And he is a badass. It, it took three of us, well, I don't know, eight minutes, seven minutes to take him down. And I must have gotten killed three, four times. It was oh, a brutal died. battle. And additionally, you got these little pumpling guys who will jump up on his back and heal him oh. while you're fighting. So you got to be like looking for those guys and trying to smoke them. So just really fun, really crazy. And it's a headhunter pack, which means that if once you kill the main boss, you can wear his head. Oh, as beautiful. a customized skin. I love it. And it sounds like that's going to be the first of several of these Headhunter packs. So look for more of that. 
That sounds like something that would come out around Halloween. So, yep, yeah, they haven't set a date exactly yet or a price, but uh, it'll be out before Halloween. Uh, another thing, this, I think you're going to enjoy this from the Gearbox folks. Remember that game, Homeworld? That I do. They're re-releasing HD versions of Homeworld 1 and 2 in the first quarter. They've made a deal and acquired that franchise. Is this for the for consoles or for PCs? Both. Wow. And a new one called Homeworld Shipbreakers, the third installment in the series will be out next year that was a neat game because it was real-time strategy and unlike any other real-time strategy game out there i think it was three-dimensional because you're in outer space you had to move in all three dimensions and this is the thing that made it completely unique it was the only real-time strategy game that steve and i sucked at equally (laughs) yeah i was not good at it but you were a big fan of that one you played a lot of it i did poorly so I, I thought that you would like to hear that that was Is returning. It coming out for the Xbox 360 or the Xbox? I believe it'll be Xbox because huh. it's next year, but we'll have to see. I mean, right now it's early, early, so there isn't a lot of details about it. All right. Anyway, uh, so that's the stuff that was coming out of Gearbox and 2K. The other thing that I tried, are you familiar with the Oculus Rift? I have heard about it, not experienced it myself. So Oculus Rift is basically an immersion, big immersion goggle helmet type of a thing. And you put it on and 3D gaming, like you are there. And we were playing that Met game Hawken. Yeah. And dude, it was like you'll hit the left shoulder button and you go shooting 30, 40 feet up in the air. You're looking down and you come down and I actually like got queasy. Did you throw up in your helmet? I did not, but wow. I mean, it just, it looked so great. And one of the things that, one of the challenges I think for me in first person shooters, I'm not great at them. And one of the things is, is like, I kind of get tunnel vision. Yeah, you can't see the mini map. Yeah, or even, you know, what's going on around me. It's like I'm I'm rushing for cover. I'm, I'm focused on the guy I'm trying to shoot. And I don't ever feel like I have vision all around me. And with the Oculus VR, the cool thing is you, you can kind of snap your head to the left and to the right. You have peripheral vision in-game, which is just the coolest thing, in yeah, addition that's... to be, being just completely immersed. And, uh, you know, I didn't get a chance. I only got to play Hawken, but they were also demoing Forza there. And I got to think that that is incredible. Oh, that should come with its own barf bag. Anyway, you know, the demo is really short. It's like five minutes. We took the helmets off. My son and I were both just like, whoa, we (laughs) high-fived each other because it was just that cool. But in addition, though, there was the immersion, but it didn't feel like bad 3D glasses like at the movie theater. It really felt like it worked and it was rock solid and steady. It wasn't jerky. You know, it was totally smooth. And how's I just, this going to work? Is it in lieu of a television? or? Yeah, or I, I'm really I'm not sure if you have the television, but you also have this on a cable plugged into... Because it was, it was a cable device. So if you have it running to a USB port, say, on the Xbox or something like that, I'm not 100% sure. But it was really impressive. I'm and, looking forward uh, to that. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a neat experience, and it felt like one of those game-changing type of things. Unlike the 3D glasses that we saw so many of. and then Yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago. Because remember we were talking about that? Wow, this, yeah. this PAX it was 3D. And then like the next year, there was no 3D. It was yeah, like there was one guy with 3D and he's looking around like, oh man, you guys. <laughs> right, but it, it looks to me like Oculus VR has got it right. 
So I, I'm really looking forward. And it's right now is early prototype. So they're demoing it. They're trying to get funds together. It's not there yet. It's probably going to be a little while before it will be at retail and you and I will get to try this. Okay. I can wait. Uh, what else? Uh, so you know what? I like what? to consider myself kind of a hardcore gamer. I play a lot of Mass Effect and Borderlands and these big, sprawling, epic games. You know what one of the most fun things I played on Saturday was? Freaking Peggle 2. <laughs> <laughs> Peggle 2 was a blast. Peggle's a fun little game. I really had a great time. There's a new, like, harder level. They have new masters. And there's this, yeah. this master called Luna. She's this little ghost girl. And... The, her power when you hit I'm the... I'm sensing uh, Harry Potter ripoff, but go on. No, no, no. It's more, more kind of like a Nightmare Before Christmas type of a vibe. But you hit the purple oh. thing, and she possesses the screen, so you can shoot the ball through all of the blue barriers and directly hit the orange ones. Ooh. Yeah, which is really cool. And then, you know how the Masters, they always add like a little bit of music, and it builds and builds. Yeah. It's like... Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
So I just played very poorly your new game, Dying Light, which is an awesome zombie open world game with some really cool missions. Now, I played the first demo upstairs in the booth, and it's during the daylight. So the zombies are a little lethargic, and you've got missions to go through. There's a lot of zombies. They are everywhere. But you can usually kind of get through it. But when things turn dark, things get grim. Kind of tell our listeners a little bit about what happens. Well, you see, uh, Dying Light is an action survival game with dynamic day and night cycle. And we actually shift the gameplay from day to night. So, like you said, during the day, you would mostly spend time pretty freely exploring, getting your stuff, you know, finding whatever can help you for whatever is coming for you. Mm-hmm. But then, during the night, the things change. You know, the infected kind of evolve into their night forms. And that pretty much means that you become the prey. And it's all about surviving, not getting killed before the sun rises up. Right, which makes for a very intense, tight experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so far I've played a little bit. You've got a pipe wrench, you've got an axe. What other kind of weaponry is in this game? Well, the variety of weapons is pretty big. I mean, we mostly concentrate on, on melee weapons. Because mm-hmm. um, we no bullets to run out. Anybody who has a zombie plan knows about that. Well, you know, we try to make the melee combat as visceral as possible so that players can really feel every single hit. And we also try to make every different type of weapon feel differently. So as you just play, the wrench, which is pretty light, it feels completely different than the two-handed really heavy axe. Both of them are pretty cool, but they just feel different and you have to choose the weapon that fits you best. Right. Uh, We're going to have firearms as well, but there's two things. First, they're pretty scarce. Yeah, sure. The second thing is they're really powerful. So you can get, you know, you can kill a bunch of guys really quickly. But they're also very loud. And that means if you stay in one place for too long and shoot, you actually gonna risk attracting the infected. Right. So you want to use firearms? No problem. But there's a trade-off. <laughs> and on top of that, we also have crafting. So there's plenty of stuff for you to find in the game. And then you can combine those elements and create something really exotic and really powerful. So what type of mission variation is there? Now, the missions I've seen, you kind of go to a base point, or in this case, we were arming traps in order to kind of protect your area from the zombies. What other type of missions are there? Well, I can't get too many. Without giving anything away, right? I can't get into too much detail just yet. Okay. But what we really try to do with this game is that every quest is like a story in itself. So that means, you know, we ramped up our our writer's theme. So we're really trying to get quests to to, to the next level and, and to make them really all interesting. And there's plenty of stuff to challenge you guys. Plenty of stuff to explore, plenty of stuff to have fun with. The graphics are really cool, and I like the fact how it's kind of like almost a gritty film at this point. I mean, hyper-realistic, but it has that grittiness to it that it feels like a world that's been kind of worn out. Well, yeah, you know, uh, the, the new technology allows us to make the world look really awesome. The game runs on the, on the newest version of Chrome Engine. It's the sixth version. And we build it up, uh, you know, with thinking about the new generation of, of consoles. So, yeah. Fantastic. So, what systems? Well, the game is coming out uh, for both current gen and next gen. So, Xbox 360, PS3, but of course, PS4, Xbox One, right. and PC. And it's going to be out in 2014. Fantastic. Well, one question we always ask all of our guests here, Mache, what pisses you off? 
You know, um, I hate to wait. <laughs> Whenever there's like like a line or there's something I need to wait, I it just I, I can't do it. You know, I sometimes I even when I have to like wait for a bus, I actually decide to like walk to the next stop because I just can't stand waiting. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. Life's too short, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you again for your time and for sharing your game with us, and I look forward to playing more. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great pleasure. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Steve from The Bone Bat Show here at PAX 2013, and I am honored to be visiting with Josh Jeffcoat, the lead dev for one of the new forthcoming DLC packs for Borderlands 2. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going pretty awesome. Glad you're here. Now, I gotta say, uh, when I heard about this, I was excited. On Borderlands 1, one of my favorite DLCs was Dr. Zed's Zombie Island, which had that whole Halloween spooky feel. And then I heard about TK Baja's Bloody Harvest, which is coming soon. Really fired up for this. What can we expect in this new DLC? Well, uh, you're gonna see Zombie TK. He's coming back again. He's uh, living in a new part of Pandora that we created called Hallowed Hollow, uh, which he refers to as Pandora's retirement community. Um, <laughs> And he's got a, a problem. The pumpkin kingpin's kind of been hassling all the neighbors, so we kind of got to we got to take care of this uh, this nuisance. Uh, so he's basically going to send you off on a little quest. You're going to do some work for him. He's maybe going to give you something cool in return. It's a big surprise. You'll see. It's cool to see TK back. I mean, Borderlands is kind of a light, fun game. Yes. But one of the those few emotional punches I remember was finding out about TK Baja dying. Yeah. That was brutal. We try to kind of balance the, the good with the bad there, and sometimes, you know, it's it kind of hurts, but it, it makes the game a little bit more poignant, and it kind of it builds character, really. So, uh, but we were glad that we were able to kind of bring him back, a little zombified, uh, a little worse for wear, but he's still here, he's still hanging out on his trailer, and uh, still blind as a bat. <laughs> now, my co-host specifically wanted me to ask, having played through the Tiny Tina DLC, you guys had a gun that shoots swords which explode. How do you top that shit in this new oh, DLC? That's going to be tough to top. Uh, <laughs> that was one of the, the silliest things that we've ever done. This DLC is going to be sillier more in story ways. We're bringing back some rarely seen enemies from the game. We actually have a lot of new uh, little power-ups that you can use during the fight. But nothing quite as silly as the sword gun. That's, <laughs> that one's going to be hard to top. Okay, then when is this hitting? Uh, this will be out later this year. I don't know the exact date, but it okay. should be in October. Cool. And one question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. Josh, what pisses you off? Oh, God. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> it pisses me off when my loot falls through the world and then I can't get it. Oh, I was just telling you I lost a shotgun recently, yeah. and I, I, I'm heartbroken. Yeah. I can't stand the fact that I lost that gun. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us, man. It's a pleasure. Sure. Can't wait to play TK Baja's Bloody Harvest. All right, it was nice to meet you, man. It's awesome. Once again, this is Steve at PAX 2013, and I am here with Nick, Dennis, and Job of Telltale Games to talk about Wolf Among Us. Now, this is kind of a follow-up in a way to last year's Walking Dead game, which is one of my favorite games of the year, and it's based on Bill Willingham's Fables. It's so great to see you guys working on this. Yeah, no, we're excited to be working on it. It's a fantastic franchise. I mean, we're, we just fell in love with it as soon as we grabbed it, and it's it's just a perfect franchise for telling these rich stories and giving you like sort of insight on 
on the fairy tales you thought you knew. Yeah. That's just a lot of fun of the franchise. Yeah. And that was my, my thought, too. You used a perfect word, rich storytelling, which is, I think, what we got last time and what we're seeing here. It's kind of becoming your guys' forte. It's... It's what we do. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of our namesake, Telltale. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we really don't uh, have a game until we have a good story. So our writers are done, and they start working with the directors and the designers. And, you know, uh, when, we like to think when you play a Telltale game, we want you to play the story. So um, that's really what we're striving for, and uh, hopefully you can feel that with The Wolf Among Us. So give us a little overview of The Wolf Among Us, the story, the protagonist. Well, it, based on Bill Wilhelm's fables, you're going to be playing as Bigby Wolf. Premises, uh, storybook characters, everyone you know and love, uh, Snow White, Big Bad Wolf, uh, Mr. Toad, Mr. Toad, uh, Buffkin, the Woodsman, all these characters that you've seen from all these uh, storybooks from years and years and years that everyone knows around the world actually live in uh, our New York City and are trying to live in secrecy. And the Big Bad Wolf, uh, in all of his ways, has actually been entrusted by Snow White to be the sheriff of Fable Town. Fable Town is the community in New York that has to stay hidden. He's kind of a swing character. He's kind of conflicted all the time. So he's always struggling whether he wants to be sort of his animalistic, big, bad wolf nature or be the sheriff that he's, you know, entrusted to be, playing it by the books and uh, doing things the, the Fable Town way. And uh, when you first see him, he's uh, called into a disturbance and has to deal with a toad who isn't wearing his glamour. Glamours are, are what, the, what they wear to make sure they look like normal human beings and uh, kicks off from there and... Uh, Really just uh, sets off a spiral of uh, some mystery, possibly some murder, and uh, lots of insanity. A yeah, so. very film noir sort of attitude. Yeah, and, to and it. that's these guys, you know, Dennis and Nick, these guys uh, are directing the whole thing, and uh, really props to them on uh, nailing that vibe. And Pierre, the writer, too. Yeah, the writer. Had <laughs> a big part of that. Yeah, yeah. With, the, uh, with the vibe. And then we just tried to run with it. I mean, like yeah, like Joe was saying earlier, we, we start with story, and um, we had read the scripts, and it was just fantastic and so exciting and different for us, too. It's not like The Walking Dead. In tone, in, in who you're playing, I mean, Bigby's very different from Lee, and that's just ex- exciting to, to do. You know, it's, I mean, you are, you have to sort of control that power that Bigby comes with. And it's like, you know, when do you use that power and, and, and that affects your relationships. And... Right, and the, the decision-making, even from the start, the little bit that I played is very much, okay, good cop or bad cop, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. Good cop with crazy powers <laughs> to be... Bad, bad cop or really bad cop. Right, exactly. <laughs> is that what it's more like? I guess it is film noir. That's yeah. the way it would be. Shades of Grey, right? Well, speaking of those Shades of Grey... Definitely a more kind of vibrant comic bookish color palette this time around. Yeah, no, I mean uh, we took so much inspiration from the comics and uh, the James Jean covers that that are so gorgeous and and I think the comic has the uh, capacity to just be dark and gritty and then in the next page it's just beautiful colors and it all comes from a, a fairy tale place. So you know a lot of these fairy tales are very beautiful, but what happens you know when the art is beautiful and the story and the, the moments are dark? dark yeah. yeah. Well, it was good, like, stylistically, too, since you're coming from a fairy tale world, we really just wanted to take what the books had done and run with it and just push it as far as we could. Yeah. And that's what you see a lot in the, the concept art and the feel of the game. Like, it it doesn't just feel like the books. It feels like a really nice, polished version of the books. Yeah. Well, i got to say, I can't wait to play more. So when will this be available for our listeners? Uh, we'll have an announcement super soon, but you can expect it to premiere around late September, early October. Again, yeah. stay tuned for an announcement. It'll be on Xbox, PlayStation 3, PC, Mac, and additional platforms to be announced. Just $5 an episode like Walking Dead. Cool. Five episodes. It'll run all the way through early 2014. Okay. And one last question. We always ask all our guests on the Bone Bad Show. Gentlemen, what pisses you off? (laughs) 
lines, and I'm here at PAX, so it's just a nightmare. <laughs> I was actually just going to say, waiting in lines to see things that I really want to see. And it's early, man. That's that's something you shouldn't be pissed off about day one. Honestly, if any of our fans are listening and you waited in line, uh, the line's looking over two hours, almost three hours now to check this out. Seriously, we've been tweeting. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all your support. Thanks for playing Walking Dead. We hope you like The Wolf Among Us, and stay tuned for more details. Thanks. Once again, I appreciate it. What's up, everybody? Once again, Steve here at PAX 2013, and joining me now, a veteran of the Bone Dash show, Jeff from Hidden Path. How you doing, man? We're doing really well. PAX is fun. It's crazy with all these people here. It's something else. Now, the reason we're here today, uh, Gordon and I played the hell out of Defense Grid. That was such a fun game. We spent a lot of time with it, both on the PC and the Xbox Live version. And uh, right now, we're looking at a sneak preview of Defense Grid 2. Exactly. We're, we're in early alpha right now. We're, we're showing a first playable of the multiplayer game today. There's never been multiplayer defense grid. And so we've got uh, people playing 1v1 competitive, where what you uh, do on your level affects the other person. You remember the old game Puzzle Fighter? Yeah. It kind of takes a bit of an inspiration from that. As you just kill aliens on your level, they appear where you killed them on the other person's level, stronger. And it kind of keeps escalating until one player wins. That's what most of you are playing here. I've been showing you a little bit of the first playable of a single-player experience. We've got you know, new towers, new aliens, dynamic levels, new visualizations for players. Uh, we've got user-created content. We're making all our levels in a very modular way with a tool that's going to allow us to give that same tool to players who can make levels. The games will uh, accept levels in and, uh, and, and be able to load them, but we'll also take levels such that uh, the best ones will actually put on for sale inside the game store, and players who are selling levels to other players will get a royalty for their levels. Oh, nice! I'm really excited about that. Very cool. So, for our listeners who may not remember, uh, Defense Grid is a game, a tower defense game, where you have a series of aliens following a path across your base to steal your cores, and they must return back along the same path. You can alter that path by placing guns and rockets and all kinds of cool stuff. Obviously, the point is to extend that path so that the aliens go across the most weaponry possible. Exactly. Keep the weapon aimed on them as long as possible. Now, one of the cool things that you just showed me is the booster towers. Yes. So we've got this uh, new tower we're showing called the Boost Tower. And what we saw in the, in the previous game was that we... Uh, made uh, the, the original game just have uh, gun towers so that you could path by them and they had to be a little less expensive so that it was easy to do a lot of pathing then really probably they were a little more powerful than that so the boost tower allows us to have an even cheaper tower it doesn't do damage but it does path the aliens it also takes up a tower square but that's okay because we can build a new tower on top of it and then while the boost tower itself was cheap it has a fairly expensive upgrade power that adds like basically a fourth upgrade level to the tower that you build on top of. 
which is really cool. You have that additional power, but I also like kind of the idea of having to be judicious. One of the first things I thought of is I, knowing how I play. I could over my, extend myself, you know, pre-planning my boost towers and find myself in a little bit of hurt as the aliens come on in a little bit more of a faster force. And when we had that in the original game where uh, temporal towers didn't do damage, command towers didn't do damage, so there are still going to be towers that don't do damage, and you got to use them judiciously or you can get yourself in trouble. Yeah. But they can also help out a lot when combined with the other towers that do a lot of damage. Now, one of the other really cool things that you were showing me is that the maps aren't necessarily static. Right. We have dynamic levels. So we have sections of level that can come in and add to your level and allow you a new area where you can path the aliens. We'll give you some options, maybe drawbridges, where if you build a tower here, it puts down this drawbridge when the other one comes up. So giving a player maybe some options of how to route the aliens or how to set up the level. We want players to be able to kind of be really, you know, bring their own personalization on how they're going to solve these levels and to create a balance system that can be solved hundreds of different ways. And speaking of customization, you also mentioned the drops. Yeah, so we have tower items and a command team, two new features. They're giving players a lot of ways to customize their game experience. Um, as you play the game, you'll get different items randomly dropped to you, and uh, those will affect the towers in your level. So you'll build up an inventory of many, many items, and then when you go into a mission, you can decide which items you're going to take with you and which items you're going to leave behind. You get a certain number of slots for a level, and then same thing with the command team. You, you have Fletcher with you at all times, but you're going to have some new characters and those new characters come with certain abilities, maybe a new special global weapon, maybe a certain bonus to the way you play, and you can pick which team members come with you, and then you'll hear some dialogue and story associated with those team members, plus be able to have those particular experiences. Well, I just love the fact that you've taken a game that was already an absolute blast, and then you're just adding all this cool stuff to it. Multiplayer, user-generated content, additional bonuses, and all kinds of cool stuff. This is just fantastic to see. I'm really excited about it. Oh, thank you. We're, we love the game so much, and we had so many things we wanted to do with the first one, but we, we had limited resources, and now through, through the Kickstarter, through the investor, through other projects we've done, we've been able to invest to try and you know, one-up ourselves and see if we can't make the very best tower that's out there. Very nice. So, uh, system, what will be available on? So, so we're releasing on Steam, on PC, Mac, and Linux, first half of next year. Uh, we're talking with some folks to see if we might get some additional financing and be able to bring some console versions as well, but at right, right now we're just focused on Steam right Very cool. Now, uh, for something completely different, I notice you've got another game you're showing here, Windborn. Yes, it is completely different. It's uh, a game inspired by Minecraft, Animal Crossing, uh, Dwarf Fortress, the early Zeldas, and uh, they just we, we love this idea of a very flexible, buildable, sandbox world that is alive and responds to the things that you do. It's very pretty and soothing looking. Oh, thank you. Well, we, one of the things we like you know, about Minecraft is just the flexibility. It gives you, you can go and build anything. And we thought, well, what if we could add to that and make it so you could sculpt the, the blocks? And then we can make the terrain really smooth. We can add some really pretty grass. and create a real fantasy world where every player has their own floating island. And its inhabitants are there trying to figure out the civilization that you can come in, be their mentor, help them along create their world, and then kind of learn a little bit about the past, the history. Other islands will flow by. You can try and discover the dragon eggs in your island. Work with 
the inhabitants to hatch those eggs, be able to have and then breed dragons, and then use those dragons to go to other floating islands that may have resources, that may have new adventures, that may have ruins and interesting history, or that may be your friend's islands. <laughs> It sounds like it just has, again, just crazy content. There's a million things you could do. We've never been accused of, of thinking too small. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, again, thank you so much. Where can our listeners find your stuff? So HiddenBath.com has the latest uh, information about both games. You can follow us on Facebook at uh, the Defense Grid fa- uh, Facebook page and the Windborn Facebook page uh, at Defense Grid and at Windborn Game on Twitter. That's Windborn with an E. With an E. W-I-N-D-B-O-R-N-E. And what's exciting is that we're going to start doing some early preview builds here in October and November. Uh, Windborn is scheduled to go out on Steam Early Access later this year. Nice. It's in there for a while, and then once all the features are there, move over to regular release. And Defense Grid 2 is due out the first half of next year on Steam. Fantastic. Well, Jeff, you're a veteran in this show. You know I'm going to ask you, what pisses you off? Oh, I don't know. That <laughs> I, I'm so happy right now. How can you ask me to be what, what makes me angry? <laughs> we always ask that. I know, I know. But I, I tell you, I, seeing all these faces of all these people, seeing how much fun they're having with the game, seeing the delight, the new stuff, how can I possibly be pissed? Well, I won't harsh your <laughs> jubilance in that case. Thank you so much once again for sharing your work with me. Really excited. I'm looking forward to playing more. Thanks so much. Once again, this is Steve at PAX 2013, and I'm here with Tony from PopCap. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Steve. How are you? I'm having a fantastic PAX. I always love this show. It is my favorite con by far, and this year, no exception. I'm seeing great stuff and very excited about Plants vs. Zombies too, man. Thanks, Steve. We're very excited about Plants vs. Zombies too as well. I was just telling you, I've probably played more PVZ than any other game I own over the last five years. What can our listeners expect from the new iteration? Uh, well, that's great. That, that's, uh, that's super exciting. That that's the, the, your most played game. That's amazing. And it goes to the kind of replayability of the, of the game and the franchise. So in terms of the new one, one of the things that fans can expect is uh, additional content. And so if, if you remember... Even though the first one is, is super replayable, it's kind of a sealed experience. You know, front yard, backyard, day, night, room. Yeah, you got your 50 levels, right. You got your 50 levels, and then it's super fun to go and replay, and there's there's a lot to go back to there. But in terms of additional content, there hasn't, hasn't been a lot of, maybe with the exception of a couple mini-games or but, something. Yeah, mini-games and the peripheral stuff, a little Zen Garden and that sort of thing. Exactly. But less, you know, add-on levels. To so. the kind of core experience. Yeah. Right. right. And so when, when, when we set out to make Plants vs. Zombies 2, that notion of extensibility and adding to that experience over time was a really important theme. And the nice thing is, when you start out with plants fighting zombies, the notion of time travel isn't that big of a stretch. Uh, and so, so you know, taking the notion... Uh, taking the <laughs> yeah, the, the disbelief. You don't have to push that exactly, too hard. Exactly, right. When you start poking at the fiction of plants versus zombies, <laughs> you know, you're, you're going in the wrong direction. You don't want to, don't want to do that. Um, so, so time travel was a really fun way of taking this, uh, the, the, the franchise into new, new places, so to speak, um, and, and allowing us a way to extend that. And so, you know, you asked about what can fans expect. They can expect additional content. Uh, last week at Gamescom, we announced, I think it was last week, it's all a bit of a blur. Uh, <laughs> a lot <laughs> of con ago. in a very short time. Oh, huh? man, it's been a crazy summer. Um, 
So uh, we announced that we're, you know, our next expansion is going to be called Far Future, and so you can imagine there's going to be some pretty fun things that we can do with the zombies there. But it's not just about worlds, it's about adding new content and new experiences so that fans always have something new and fun to come back to and look for. So how big is PVZ2 and compared to PVZ1 as far as number of levels? Uh, so PVC2 comes out, it, it's, uh, it launched with three worlds, uh, and there are uh, 10, kind of 10 or 11 basic levels in each world, so that's 30, plus all of the branching challenges. And so, depending on how you play, plus the endless modes, or the, the danger rooms we call them, but uh, things like the Pyramid of Doom in ancient Egypt, which you can play forever. So, in terms of the amount of content, the amount so of... So, just stop you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Pyramid of Dune, is that kind of like a horde mode type of a thing? Kind of. It's it's a little bit like Endless was in the first game, but it's level-based instead of just waves and waves of zombies. So, okay. first of all, you have to unlock the Pyramid of Doom, so you have to finish Ancient Egypt first. If you go through those first 11 levels, that unlocks the Pyramid of Doom. You play a level with a specific set of plants, and then as you each with each level that you, uh, that you complete, you're given a choice of three more plants. It's sort of uh, Dave Deal's cards to you, nice. uh, and you select one of those cards to represent your next plant, and obviously the levels get harder and harder, and what we really hope is that people have fun with this, see how far they can go, and, and share that with their friends, you know, bragging rights, that sort of thing. And the fantastic thing, unlike so many of the games that we're seeing here at PAX, it's available now. It is available now. Yeah, and it's been number one on the App Store across the world for you know since it launched, basically. That's iOS. Now, not Android yet. As an Android phone guy, I'm, I'm waiting for mine, but all my family has already downloaded it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. iOS now, new platforms to come. It's been a massive success so far on iOS. Obviously, you know, we're working, we're working hard on additional platforms. And, you know, at PopCap, we've always been about kind of getting that first platform exactly right. And so yeah, sure. and even when we launched Plants vs. Zombies 1, it was on PC and was only on PC. And now, as you said, it's basically on every platform uh, in a known demand, with, with a couple of notable exceptions. We've never done it on Wii. We never, uh, never quite figured out how to kind of take those Wii controls and make that great experience. And so we didn't do it. And that's really what this has been all about. Let's nail it on that first platform, and then let's keep. Uh, let, let's yeah, keep get your gameplay dialed, all the fine points polished, and then roll it out. Take over the world, essentially. Exactly. exactly. Yes. <laughs> world zombie domination. Yes, that's our that's our, our goal. Is nothing less. Nice. All right, man. Well, one final question. We always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. Tony, what pisses you off? Ah, uh, what pisses me off? I think what pisses me off is uh, people forming ideas about. Uh, we'll just let's just attack this right up front. Plants vs. Zombies is free to play. Um, yeah. People have ideas about what that means. Uh, what, I guess what pisses me off is when people express those ideas without actually experiencing what's being offered. And so, right. <laughs> so you know, if people assume, well, EA is publishing this game and it's and it's free to play, that's a bad thing. And so I'm going to I'm gonna write about that. Not having experienced the game, not having played it. You know, you look at uh, the, the reviews that we've received from the press, the, the, the fan reaction to the game, we feel really, really good about the experience that we're free, putting in front of people. And so what we want is we want people to experience and, and, and play the game. Yes, it's absolutely free to play. We feel really proud of that. That allows us to bring it to a massive audience. We feel really great about the experience we're providing for free. Check it out before you form an opinion. So free to play, available now. What's not to love? Definitely download this, listeners. I'm telling you, it's going to be a blast. Awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. Appreciate Thank you, it. and thanks for sharing the game with us. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Absolutely. Anytime.
right, folks, once again, this is Steve at PAX 2013, and joining me now, this episode's musical guest, the Super Guitar Bros. Steve and Sam, welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Oh, thank you. Thank Hello. You. Hello, people. Hello, listeners. <laughs> Hi. So, every year I try to, you know, do a little research when the PAX musician list comes up. And uh, as a half-assed guitar player myself, I was immediately taken with your stuff. Particularly, I think what blew me away was the Sonic the Hedgehog meddling. I was just like, my God, that is so awesome. And, you know, we do metal and nerdcore rap and death bluegrass and any kind of crazy stuff on the show, but we don't do a lot of that sort of thing. So having kind of some virtuosoistic, if that's even a word, guitar music on the show, is you guys are classing up the joint, frankly. Oh, oh, oh thank, thank you, you very much. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we've heard that before, and uh, we appreciate that very where, much. Where do I find this death metal bluegrass band at? They're called the Pine Box Boys from San Francisco. You need to know them. Okay, okay. I, I thought maybe you were joking for a sec, but... It's like I don't joke red about grass. independent music, man. It's called blood grass. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's hardcore. Death grass. So, I like it. I like so it. thanks about the, the Sonic medley. That's that's for sure, like, that's our... The furthest we've stretched our technical and, like, arranging ability. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it's by far the most difficult thing we've done. And obviously the longest thing that we've done. Yeah. Right, yeah, well, it's definitely a suite. It takes, yeah, it takes a lot out of you. So <laughs> Yeah, anytime. seriously, like, we'll, we'll be practicing, like, up in the room or something, and after eight and a half minutes, you know, you finally make it to the end, and we're both just like, oh, man. Oh, my God, <laughs> I don't want to do that it. again. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you guys get together? Tell me a little bit about the genesis. We love comic books, so we always like a good origin story. Yeah. Well, we, we met in, like, 2007, I think. We both have this mutual friend, this girl who, she plays guitar and she sings. She plays a lot of like coffee shops and things like that. So they've been friends for a long time, Sam, Sam and Jess. Yeah. So I was friends with her and she's like, hey, you know, come check out the show I'm doing with my friend Sam. I was like, okay. At this little coffee shop kind of place. And I, I'm seeing Sam just like busting out these classical guitar skills like crazy. And I'm just like, oh my God, this, is, this guy is awesome. And so, like, I went and introduced myself afterwards. And, you know, like, I have a classical guitar, too, and I've taken classical lessons for a little bit, but nowhere near the degree that he is. So I just went up to him. I'm like, like hey, man, you know, I, I play classical guitar a little bit, too. We should get together and jam sometime. And that, that's basically the genesis right there. We just started hanging out, and we just became best friends. You know, doing, doing guitar jamming, you know, playing video games, just listening to video game music. That's so it's just kind of a natural outgrowth of, hey, let's try to play a tune from a game. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Like, Very it's like, organic. Oh, hey, you know, it's like, you like video game music too? I like video game music? You know, it's like, yeah. you know, let's, let's listen to some tunes. We, we kind of developed as we are before we even made a decision about developing as we are. It just yeah, sort of like, happened. Before, where we like before the, the idea out. of like a band or anything like that, really, it was just like, oh, let's just let's cover some songs. Let's you know? play, yeah, let's play this video game music. Let's figure it <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. So, so what was the first the first game you guys? Hey, let's try this. Uh, the first one we did was from Ninja Gaiden. Okay. Which I believe that'll be the first song you hear tonight when you see us. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Um, so, chronological. 
Um, or not. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with a website called Dwelling of Duels. No, I, I know a little bit about different online challenges, but I wasn't familiar about that one until you mentioned it the other day. Right, right. Yeah, you said you were familiar with OC Remix, right? Yeah, OC Remix and also like the VPC challenges on Nerdcore Now. Okay, okay. So OC Remix and Dwelling of Duels, they're both part of the whole video game remixing community. Uh-huh. OC Remix is a little more popular, you know, okay. it's definitely got the more mainstream kind of action going on. But Dwelling of Duels, you know, they have these monthly competitions, and every month they have a different theme. So back in, like, 2009, they were having Ninja Gaiden month. Okay. And I'm like, dude, I love Ninja Gaiden. (laughs) So many good songs from that game. And so I was talking to Sam, like, hey, how would you feel about, like, doing some kind of, like, acoustic duet of some Ninja Gaiden music? You know, totally not thinking about, like, let's let's be a band and let's be yeah. super guitar right, it was just for yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we're just like, yeah, you know, let's do it. And we just started, like, listening to the soundtrack and picking out the ones that we liked and just figuring them out and putting them together. And once the competition was over, you know, we put that song up, we got, we got second place on that. Oh, nice. Which was, like, a lot better than, you know, we were expecting. And so then we decided to put a video out for it so that people could see like how we were doing it. And um, to, to tell it's not a ton of overdubs and stuff right, like that that yeah, you can yeah. actually play it. Exactly. It's like I, I figure you know some people, most people probably don't care whether it's one take or not, but I figure some people at least will appreciate that. Yeah. So you're not going the Eddie Van Halen route of like hiding it behind your back and not showing them how you do it. <laughs> But yeah, you know, pretty much like we put that video out and then uh, people were just like, oh man, this is so cool. You know, I can't wait to hear the next one. And it's like, oh, next, next one. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then we did Gerudo Valley from Ocarina of Time. And that, that one is just taken off. That, that is by far our most popular, popular song yeah. that we do. Yeah. It's also like one of the worst quality videos. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that probably really is the worst quality the, video. Those, those first two videos were just recorded off Sam's laptop computer. Yeah. You know, it's the little microphone and everything. Once we started doing the Super Mario World and everything after that, we went down to the studio in the basement and started using microphones and, you know, really going for Actual it. recording actual techniques. Actual studio yeah. quality, yeah. But, um, that's pretty much you know our, how we started yeah, that's, that's, and how we. That's the history. So how did you get the attention of Pax? Was it a surprise that you got invited to play, or how did that yeah, work out? Totally. It, was, it was definitely a surprise. But there are people that work here that also work at Magfest. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Who I know, Metroid Metal, who we featured on the show, has played there a ton of times. Right. right. So yeah, like the stage manager here also works at, at Magfest. And he, he brought somebody with him, like another stage crew guy or a sound person or something. He brought him to MAGFest to help him work. And he was like, dude, you got to check out Super Car Bros. you got to check out Fifth Brigade. you got to check out Mega Ran. You know, like all these MAGFest fans, like check these guys out. And, you know, he, he saw us and he was like, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely going to have these guys at PAX. They figured that out after our set at MAGFest. Oh, really? Yeah, that, by that point, oh, they had already decided, oh, that's we awesome. want these guys to I didn't know that. Fantastic. Well, you're going to be on a huge stage tonight. That's so exciting. Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be the biggest room that we play yeah, for, for sure. For sure. So it's really exciting. Yeah. And a great bill. On there, Adam Warrock, who we've also featured on the show. So. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah see, um, I just met him yesterday. I haven't heard any of his stuff yet, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to hear what he's got going on. And yeah. also Super commuter, yeah. yeah. Super giants. Which, uh, the music for uh, Bastion, correct? Yep, yep. Sunglasses. Super Sunday. 
All right, so after this, what's next? Is there something that you can sell in the offing? It's very possible that by the time this recording comes out, the album is already released and ready to be purchased. Nice. Check this out. You can download it for free on Bandcamp, or at least you will be able to once we do that. Um, But we also have physical CDs, like actual this and those will be ten dollars perfect sam sam has done all the artwork for it and like the design and stuff and it's really cool looking so it'll be like a cool cd to have in your collection no problem man (laughs) so is it the type of deal if you buy the cd on Bandcamp, you can download it now get that immediate gratification and get the cd mailed to you yeah, I mean, we, oh, we, you, we I think still have to absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. You'll yeah. be able to just download the tracks. I love doing it that way. And then you get, like, the Christmas gift in a week that you yeah. almost forgot about. You've already been listening to it. That's awesome. Yeah, like, any anybody can just download the tracks and listen to them for free. Um, but, yeah, you know, if you want that actual physical copy, we are most likely going to have a donation button on there, too. Okay, cool. So, yeah, you know, if people just want to contribute whatever they want, you know, any anything that people... You know, donate to us is money that we use for Super Guitar Bros. It goes right back into, you know, getting better equipment so that we can have better sound quality. You know, like we we just got some pickups in our guitars so we can plug right in. That was an upgrade. That was a big upgrade that we just did. So now we don't have to use microphones anymore. That's all thanks to people who've donated and people watching our videos and getting those advertisements (laughs) clicked on. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Fantastic. Well, I, I'm sure that our listeners will step up and uh, enjoy some more Super Guitar Bros. One final question. We always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. Gentlemen, what pisses you off? Panhandlers uh, <laughs> for me, definitely. Especially here in Seattle. It's I've just been bombarded every day since I've been here. They've really been pissing me off. I think, yeah, cons are kind of catnip. There seem to be all the exits are, are surrounded. Yeah, they're, 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 you can tell they're just out there like, oh, look at all these nerds. Oh, man, fresh meat. You know? <laughs> oh, God. Totally. totally. I, I hate how often I uh, I start a song in the wrong tuning. <laughs> yeah. I've probably done that like four or five times live, and then I have to stop after like ten seconds. So do you retune live, or do you have a backup guitar like in a different tuning so you can just switch out? We're, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're constantly retuning. Steve's, Steve's, yeah, especially me, Steve's got a little clip-on tuner that we pass back and forth, but sometimes I just totally forget to retune and start, and it's awful. And, and, and then I'll just, you know, bust his balls a little bit. <laughs> yep, yep, as he should. I, I absolutely respect that, as, you know, playing rock and roll out of tune. I'm not even sure if my guitars can keep tune anymore. Yeah, maybe a little bit out of tune is, is a good thing. It's a good yeah, thing. You know, it gives it a little extra. A little unique. There's a little hair on your chest. Yeah, we're not, we don't want to be in tune. It like builds character. Else. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, once again, thank you so much for sharing your music with us, and uh, best of luck with your future efforts. Oh, Thanks well, so thank much. Thank
right, that one was Gerudo Valley from Legend of Zelda by Super Guitar Bros. Uh, thank you so much for the interview. The uh, tune before the interview, of course, was uh, Metroid Medley off the new album. You can find that at Bandcamp. Look for the link on the Bone Bat front page. And a ton of interviews there. Dying Light, Josh Jeffcoat from Borderlands 2, the folks from Wolf Among Us, the new effort from Telltale Games, based on Bill Willingham's fables. Now, dude, have you read that series? I don't believe that I have, no. I've always been intrigued, but after playing the first chapter, I I really want to read this now, because it was cool. Definitely a license I want to know more about before I kind of stick myself in this world for the game. But after playing Walking Dead, I'm kind of on the hook for these guys. Whatever they put out, I'm going to play going forward. Yeah, you love that Walking Dead stuff. Oh, man, that was good. Uh, of course, Defense Grid 2, the uh, successor to one of our favorite tower defense games a couple of years ago, and Plants yeah. vs. Zombies 2, which is available now, as Tony mentioned, for free on your iPod. There's zero reason why you shouldn't have this already. You should own it. All right, so uh, back to uh, some other stuff that uh, we did at PAX. Uh, panels, dude. Panels? Excuse me while I take a drink of Ace Joker Hard Cider. Hey, you do that. Excuse me while I take a drink of Davis Hard Water. That's apple dapply in there. Mm. Okay. I taste like selenium. <laughs> so a uh, couple of panels we hit. Uh, Patrick Rothfuss, who's the uh, author of Name of the Wind and Wise Man's Fear. You may recall I reviewed both of those books, I believe, on the show uh, over the last couple of years. A big fan of his writing. And uh, he was in town for PAX and did kind of a Q&A, which was a lot of fun. The highlight of which is his story about he owned some guinea pigs in the dorms when he was in college. And uh, <laughs> you weren't allowed to have guinea pigs in the dorms in college. So look for that panel online or through Twitch TV or wherever you can find it, YouTube maybe. Because that story alone is worth the price of admission. Really funny stuff. Also, uh, we hit up the uh, Make a Strip panel. I did that with my daughter. She's kind of an artist as well. And I know that you kind of dug that last year, seeing the techniques of how Mike Krahulik does Penny Arcade. And yeah, he's using new software now. He's using... Uh, yeah, he's using the he's, Surface, yeah. Microsoft Surface. No, that's hardware, Steve. He's using new software, too. Uh, he's uh, stopped using Photoshop, and now he's using... What, Anime Studio or something like that? Oh, Manga Studio, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do believe I heard him mention that. So. But anyway, yes, he's using new hardware as well. Gotta <laughs> give a shit about the hardware. I'm all software. Software is where it's at. <laughs> yeah, well, software is only good if you got the machine to run it, though. Yeah, well, if you got the machine to run it, I suppose, but you don't, so why? I'm not an artist. What do I care? <laughs> I don't give two fucks about how he... I was trying to tell you. Anyway... So, True, but you know the, what? You know, I, don't, I don't give them either. Anyway, as fun, though, as the Make a Strip panel was, it was a good time. But the really cool thing that I did for the first time, hadn't done before, was the Acquisitions Incorporated live Dungeons & Dragons session. Yeah. Dude, that was so goddamn entertaining. Really? Oh, my God. It was just great theater. It really was. The guy who does the dungeon mastering... His name is Chris Perkins. He's uh, one of the head writers for Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons. He comes out dressed in like with skeleton face paint and a robe. It was hugely theatrical and he was very funny ad-libbing things as they would play. And uh, joining him, of course, uh, Scott Kurtz from PvP. You had uh, Gabe and Tycho and you had Patrick Rothfuss. 
and they were playing this this adventure and uh, I'm sure it's going to be available online shortly or on the uh, Wizards of the Coast podcast. Definitely check it out because it was hilarious. Well, we were just in stitches laughing so hard for the whole two hours. It was really fun. And I would definitely, that I think that's become like a must-attend thing for me. That I'll, right. I will try not to miss that again. I think even if you weren't into role-playing games, you would still find the way they present it entertaining. Because it was just empirically funny well if it's empirically funny empirically funny i said it right there okay wow. the other panel uh we attended was the uh, nerdcore music panel which was a lot of fun uh, cosplay from death star moderated and uh, joining him was mc front a lot adam warrock and beefy i got to chat hey, with beefy it'd been finally. too long man so uh very cool uh, on Saturday, I got to say, we did a lot of paneling. We hit the Mega Strip, uh, Acquisitions Incorporated, and I, we didn't do it right. We went to the Elder Scrolls Online food truck. Yeah. And that ended up taking like almost an hour and a half. Oh. To did get, you get lunch. good food? Yeah, it was, a, it was a good grilled cheese sandwich with like some dipping sauce. They gave you a whole pint of ice cream while you were waiting. Oh. Which well, was. It's hard to argue with that. Yeah, it was hard to argue. So we were treated well. But because there was so so much panel stuff that day, I felt like I sort of shortchanged my daughter. That she didn't get to spend enough time looking or playing games. And so I, I, feel, I felt like I didn't do that quite right. I feel a little bit bad about that. Well, you know, you are a terrible father. <laughs> there is that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that next time I, I would try to maybe, I don't know, if uh, make, maybe skip the Make-A-Strip panel and go to... You know, if I'm going to do acquisitions incorporated the same day and maybe spend a little more time gaming in the morning, I think that's how I'd go about it. Because there's just so much great stuff to do. And we never even had a chance to hit the like the console free play and the PC free play. The next day I was able to do that with my son. And that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, he's Although, probably sorry, more into that than, than your daughter. No, they, I think they, they like games equally. They have different game interests, but they're, they're both into gaming, definitely. But it was pretty funny, man, dude. We were playing Tekken 6. We wanted to try something on the PS3. And he was kicking my ass with this panda. It was really frustrating and annoying to get your ass whooped by a 10-year-old playing a panda. A goddamn panda. Playing a vegetarian animal. Yeah, he's sitting there beating my ass with bamboo shoots. It was ugly. That's terrible. It was not good. So, yeah, there, there was that. And we also played a little Left 4 Dead on the PCs. That was fun, too. Uh, they didn't have StarCraft this year. I wonder if they got into a licensing thing with Blizzard. Because they had no World of Warcraft. Uh, it looked like a Riot and League of Legends were a big sponsor. And so there was no Blizzard to be seen. Interesting. I'd love to know the backstory. Yeah, because you and I have played Blizzard product on those very PCs at PAX. So we have. Something changed there. I don't know what. I And, you know, that's me guessing. That's not any sort of hard news reporting. Maybe no one could actually log into their Battle.net account. <laughs> that was it. The The whole Battle.net issue was so, such a pain in the ass that they said, screw it. That I would rather think that, that it was PAX's decision not to do that. But uh, you never know. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about some indie games. I spent a lot of time in the indie mega booth. And uh, there was some really cool stuff going on. Uh, the first three interviews I'd like to run by our listeners. Uh, first one is from a house called Robot Loves Kitty. And uh, it's actually a husband-wife team are the devs. And they have, like, a guy, David, who does the music. And it's just the three of them building this game. 
So it was very reminiscent of that film, Indie Gamer, that we just watched. Yeah. And uh, they've been working on this. And what's cool about the game, the game is a retro bash-em-up, kind of like uh, Gauntlet. Or she mentioned Rogue, which is an older game that I don't recall playing. But uh, it's like that. It's So it's a dungeon brawler. Uh, up to four players, and I Gauntlet was the one with the uh, flying pterodactyls, jousting. No, that's joust. Joust. Oh, <laughs> yeah, clever name for a game about jousting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, but it's you're going through a dungeon, but everything is randomly generated. So we go a, a lot more into that in the interview, but I just thought that was really cool that no two plays are going to be the same for you, and so that that's a pretty neat thing. Uh, the other games that I played in this uh, thing, as uh, you recall last year. Containment, the zombie puzzle game. I do recall. Bootsnake Games, they've got a new one, which is very much like XCOM or Breach in that style of turn-based tactical strategy. And it's called Dead Rock Divide. You're going to dig that game. That's a cool game. Yeah, and, I like the turn-based thing, because I'm getting older and slower. And like things that slow down at my speed, they give me a chance to maybe pause, clean my dentures, what have you. <laughs> Yeah, so th- this one will be a good one for you. And uh, we like Boot Snake Game stuff. They do good work. And then uh, following that, uh, I checked out a game called Loadout, which actually my son recommended. He, he like, drugged me, and he's like, oh, look at this one. And, and at first I kind of thought, oh, it sort of looks like Team Fortress. But it definitely has a different vibe to it. It's faster, more cartoony, more fun. Plus it has all of this great gun crafting sort of stuff. That I think like you would do. Like Guncraft. Similar to that. Okay. So let's take a listen to a few more interviews. Hey, once again, this is Steve from the Bone Bat Show at PAX 2013, and I am visiting right now with Alex from Robot Loves Kitty about their game Legend of Dungeon. How you doing, Alex? I'm good. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much for making time for me. I'm really digging your game. Uh, for the, our listeners who don't know, uh, tell them a little bit about what Legend of Dungeon is. Sure. Legend of Dungeon is a roguelike uh, beat-em-up, so basically you run around and you die a lot, <laughs> and then you try to get the treasure when you're not dead. So, something like a gauntlet, that type of a setup where you're going down level after level of dungeons, can't play multiplayer, but also single player, but the really interesting thing here, I think, is the fact that everything from the dungeon levels to the music to your own character is randomly generated. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. We were thinking about how... If, if just the dungeon is randomly generated, everything else is going to get kind of boring, and we don't want anything to be boring. So, <laughs> so we randomly generated all of the characters, and we do have an inside of the tavern that you start with. Yeah. There's actually a men and women's bathroom. Yeah, right. I saw that. And if you walk into the men's bathroom, you come out the women's bathroom completely randomized, and you can kind of do a little bathroom shuffle and customize your character if you want to. But the minute you die, that character is gone. Yeah. And that's one of the things I first heard about this game was that it's really hard. It is, and we like it that way. Uh, the fact that Calvin and myself haven't beaten it yet is really... That's the way we want it to be, actually. Although we are trying to beat it. It's not like <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But that's one other thing we should maybe talk about is that you and Calvin are a two-person developer team for this game, along with uh, David, who does your music, right? Yeah, yeah David is amazing. Um, he's actually a welder. Really? Yep, and we're trying to convince him that he needs to make music for a living because he's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he's really, really talented. Um, he's actually a childhood friend of Calvin's. Um, okay. That's, so that's where that connection kind of comes in. But but Calvin and I, um, we've been making video games together for seven years now, actually. Uh-huh. Um, 
Well, this effort's really fun. I really like uh, just the look of it. It has sort of that 8-bit aesthetic, but also we were just talking about like the light interplay in some of the rooms. Like you take a lantern with you and you'll go into a pitch black room and the way that the light plays across this, you know, essentially a 2D atmosphere, it just looks really great. We had so much fun when we discovered that we could do that with, 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 the, with the art style that we chose. Um, it's, it sort of breaks the gap between the people who don't like pixel art and the people who love it. Right. Because, because it's really, we're literally, we are using the modern lighting techniques that you see in like Halo and like all of these modern games with all this gorgeous graphics and uh -huh. realistic lighting and stuff. And we're using that, but on pixel sprites. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> One of the other things we were talking about that I found interesting, uh, there's kind of two different kind of games. You can play this single player, where it's survive as long as you possibly can. And then there's a multiplayer aspect where you die, but you will stay alive for a little while if you're people save your stuff for you to make you a valid member of the team after you collect some souls from some fallen enemies. And so that's that's kind of an interesting take that adding to that difficulty. But the single player the thing we were just talking about was that uh, once you're dead, permadeath. You don't take... How did you say it again? The only thing you take away from the game itself is your actual personal experience playing the game. So you, you amass the knowledge of the world, but it's just yours. And I, I just find that concept wonderful because there's so many games we play where the point is essentially gathering, you know, better weapons, better gold, more of this, more of that. And there's a certain anti-materialism about your approach that I find charming. When you're playing your run, you do still kind of board things. Right, well, you need to survive, but that's not the point of the game. The point is the journey. Exactly, yeah, the point of playing the game is having fun. Yeah. That is it. It is to have fun. and. And that doesn't need a lot of digital nothingness. That, <laughs> Constant comparison to list keeping and all that stuff. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. But at the same time, those material things are fun. Like, we kind of joke around and we say we're kind of like the Team Fortress 2 of roguelikes because we have so many different hats that you can collect in the game. Okay, okay. <laughs> stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot of fun things that you can find in the dungeon and you get to really experience them. But as soon as you're dead, that's it. Right. We have had players who've been like alpha testing our game for months, and they see a new item in the game, they think, and it's actually been there since they started playing. Yeah, it just never, it never came up because of the randomness of the game. And the music as well, I thought that was interesting that he was saying that you have 18 tracks, but you've cut them up into 240 bite-sized pieces, so odds are you're not going to hear a repeat of the music through several playthroughs. Oh, more than several. I actually did the math, and I couldn't do the math because I ran out of space <laughs> on the calculator. It's near infinite possibilities because not only is it randomly generated, but you as a player interact with the music by killing monsters. Okay. Because each monster has up to five tracks that can be attached to it. Right. And when, when there's, like if there are seven snakes, the tracks that are attached to those snakes will really get loud and kind of they'll be powerful. And then as you kill the snakes, it'll get quieter and quieter until they're all dead, and that piece of the track completely fades away. Yeah, I was talking to David. He said that it was cool because he was hearing, like, different tracks combined together, and it sounded better than he ever would have thought of if he had just tried to ride it that way. 
Yeah, he composed 18 songs, and every time he listens to it, he basically gets to hear a new song that he made that he's never heard. That he didn't make, right? Didn't yeah, that's. I asked him if that, you know, does that give you just a ton of ideas for creativity, for writing? And he's like, oh, absolutely. He came up with the idea to do the randomly generated music, actually. Oh, that's so, cool. So we're really, we were like, wow, that's an awesome idea. It sounds impossible. <laughs> but we, we figured out how to do it, and we're really glad that it happened. Cool. Well, tell our listeners where they can get Legend of Dungeon. You can actually pre-order it on Steam. Okay. Um, and it's coming out on the 13th. Of September? Of September, yes. Of September. So very soon. Yay. Very soon. We're kind of panicking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but we'd really appreciate it if everyone would buy it on the 13th. Because okay. then Steam will think we're awesome. And, <laughs> and, we want, and we want them to think we're awesome. So it's better to buy it on the 13th than to pre-order? Yeah. It, it actually is. Okay, cool. It's the same. There's no price difference. It just It's a vote for, hey, these people are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, do you have a website as well? Oh, yeah. Robotlovescitty.com. Cool. And there's all of our different games and projects up there. But if you click on the dwarf, that'll take you to Legend of Dungeons. Nice. Okay, and one last question. We always ask all our guests on the Bone Bat Show. Alex, what pisses you off? Not having cake. <laughs> Cake is awesome. I don't blame you at all. There should be cake around all the time. Definitely. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great con. You too. Hey folks, once again Steve here at PAX 2013 and I'm joined now by Matt and Drew of Bootsnake Games. You may recall them from last year's episode. We talked to them a little bit about their game containment the zombie puzzler and they've got a brand new effort called dead rock divide that i gotta say i'm pretty excited about awesome thank you very much now it's a game kind of in the vein of breach or XCOM, who longtime gamers know and love that sort of turn-based strategy and uh, this is very much in that sort of a field yeah definitely we have the the XCOM style combat and then we've taken it and put it in a sandbox rpg world you and your crew are, are on your ship in an asteroid field, and there's three factions fighting over resources in this asteroid field. So do you and your crew go and align with one of those factions and help them take over control, or do you decide to go your own way and uh, fight for your own personal fame and glory? <laughs> nice. And I like there's a lot of variation there. You've got some crafting going on where you can upgrade your guys to your own specifications. You also have some little interstellar kind of piracy going on and different things that you can do. There's a lot of cool stuff to try. Yeah, yeah. We definitely want to have a, a lot of options. We're trying to simulate as much of a, I mean, not a real world, but as much of a world as possible so that the cargo ships are actually moving around and, and ferrying goods back and forth realistically so that when you go into this world, it's believable and all of your options are believable. So you can, you can craft your own armor, you know, do, do I need I feel like I can do this, you can probably do it. So this is a very early build, correct? Uh, when do you expect the game will be available for our listeners to try? Uh, we're shooting for release in about a year. Okay. Uh, but then we're probably going to have some sort of way to get in early. Uh, we're trying to figure out exactly what that means, but, you know, <laughs> a Kickstarter, an alpha project, some sort of thing like that to get people in to play it and help us figure out what's good and bad and make it better. Well, keep us in the loop because we are in. Awesome. Yeah, we will definitely keep you in the loop. All right, well, you know the drill, man. The question we always ask all our guests here on the Bone Bass Show. Matt, Drew, what pisses you off? Oh, yeah, 
this is a good one. What was it, Uggs last year? Yeah, Uggs was last year. Which, uh, listening to the podcast, we were the only person who went with fashion as our thing that pisses you off. So that was good. It was a nice so this year is it culottes? I mean, what is uh, the? Maybe. I'm not a big fan of Crocs, so I'm gonna go with Crocs. I don't know. Man, I just totally forgot about this question too. I'm not ready. For Pax is too damn happy. Yeah. Nobody's ever pissed at Pax. It's the weirdest thing. You go to any other con and people have just. Can't wait to tell you what pisses them off. PAX is just joyous. Yeah, it's so much work getting ready and everything, and then we're, we think we're going to die, and then the minute the door opens, it's all fun. Uh, yeah, it <laughs> really is. It's just it's soaked in happiness. Yeah, yeah, it's great. All right, well, where can our listeners find your stuff, gentlemen? Uh, so you can go to our website at bootsnakegames.com, or you can go to deadrockdivide.com, which is the website for the new game. It's actually just missing but <laughs> <laughs> It's a redirect. But that's okay. All right. Well, thank you again for letting us visit with you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Once again, Steve here at PAX 2013. I'm here right now with Mark Now from Edge of Reality, and we just got done playing your game, Loadout, had a blast doing it. Uh, awesome. Thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, absolutely, and thanks for playing the game. Yeah, uh, Loadout is the game we're making. We're on Steam right now in closed beta, and as you played, uh, as you know, because you played it, super over-the-top, crazy uh, action shooter. But, of course, the one thing that really makes it stand out is that weapon crafting system that you did. Yeah, but both the, the cartoony style, which is really fun, and it's kind of talking smack at you. I, I liked some of the things that would pop up in the corner, like uh, Roosevelt blue-balled Washington. <laughs> like, some of the attacks are hilarious, and you've got some great kind of funny comments going during the game as well. Yeah, we're super over the top and very irreverent. Um, because of the cartoony style, like you say, we're going to get a lot away with doing a lot of like kind of itchy and scratchy or you know uh, Warner Brothers style amped up violence in the game, and it comes across as comedic and not gory or off-putting. Itchy and scratchy is the perfect example. Yeah. At one point, my arm got blown off, and I was bleeding out like gallons of blood on the floor. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, the reason we did that is, it, it, I mean, it kind of goes along. When you're making a game, you got all these pieces that go together. And because we wanted this game where you're making weapons out of pieces, and you can make wacky, crazy weapons, any weapon you want, we didn't want to be limited by reality. And so we decided to pick this IP, this, this feel and style to the game that was irreverent and anything goes and no holds barred and very over the top. And those two things really fit well together and give us this style of a game where even when you get your head shot off, it's hard to get upset about it because right. it, it's so funny. And it's also you're back in the game quickly. Immediately. It's not, you know, okay, i got to wait 30 seconds to respawn. It's, ah, you got me, and you're back right. in, which is, that makes it a lot more fun, I think. Yeah, and the pace of the game is, is fast, 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 fast. Frenetic, um, I think, yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, you, okay, so you say it was frenetic, that was a three-on-three match, right? <laughs> right, right, yeah. And, you know, most games, they get eight-on-eight, 16-on-16. We get asked about that, and we're like, no way, no way would anybody ever want to play this game like that because it's just too crazy. Yeah. You'd never be able to keep track of anything. <laughs> So, back to the weapon crafting. That was really cool. At the start of each match, you're given this loadout screen, hence the name, and you have, what, you've got stock, barrel, scope, six, seven different things with six, seven different choices. That's right. There's a ton, just a menu of items 
for you to build your weapon. Yeah, and if you're making a rocket launcher, it goes up to either 10 or 11. I forget which of the two it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kind of stayed on the assault rifle range, and so that's what I saw. Then. Sure, and I mean, just to give an idea like of the pieces that you can do there, uh, we just got done playing a match where we did for fun, we hit randomize, and everybody just was stuck with the weapon they had. I kind of like that. That's cool. That's a neat idea, right? So the weapon I had was it was a rocket launcher that bounced. You know, it wasn't a proximity or a contact detonation. It was a timer detonation with a healing payload. So I was spewing these bouncing rockets throughout the level that were on a timer, so I had to kind of time, I had to learn the timing and then fire the rockets when I was the right distance away from my teammates uh. in order to heal them. Uh, now, that's not a very super usable weapon, but there are variations on that that would have made it nice. Like, right. if I could have added a laser guidance to that, for example, I think that's a very playable weapon. And it's totally unlike anything you see in any other game. And it gives you an idea of something to come back and try later. Exactly. Replayability right there. Exactly. And in the, we haven't put this feature in yet, it's coming soon. But part of the game is going to be over the long term is that you get research points and you're researching a tech tree. Oh, okay. So you expand your number of options for how many uh, pieces you get to build your weapons from. And so the, the, the choices grow and grow as you're playing the game. Very cool. We really had a great time playing it. And uh, I think our listeners will dig this game as well. So on Steam closed beta now? Yeah, currently we're actually in the early access program. Okay. So uh, we were handing out some keys here at PAX. But people who want to, want to play the game, look it up, load out on Steam, and you'll be offered some early access options. Cool. And I will have a link on the Bone Bat page so people can jump right over straight to your site from there. Awesome. Thanks. All right, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And uh, one last question. Right. We always ask everyone on the Bone Bat Show. Mark, what pisses you off? So I'm actually a pretty stable person. I don't get pissed off very often, so I've got to think back the last time I got pissed off. And unfortunately, this, this isn't a great answer. It doesn't make me look awesome. But uh, the last time I got pissed off was in a League of Legends match. So I guess I have to say the thing that pisses me off is, is and I play support, is people in a League of Legends match who I'm supporting, I am pouring my heart out to help them, and then they turn around and go, why didn't you save me from myself? I just, like, fury rage just it courses through my veins. Uh, I think that's that's the one thing nowadays that can set me off. Yeah, I've complained about that game on the show before, <laughs> okay, so okay. I feel you, man. All right, well, thank you again so much, and have a great pack. Thank you. Thanks for coming by.
All right. Once again, thank you to Robot Loves Kitty for talking to us about Legend of Dungeon. Thanks to Matt and Drew for discussing Dead Rock Divide with us. And thanks to Mark <laughs> Now for uh, showing us all about Loadout. And finally, the tune we just heard, of course, was Chrono Trigger by the Super Guitar Bros off their brand new album. Now to switch things up a little bit off of the gaming. Gord, you got a political rant this week? I do, but before I get into it, I cannot stop the voice in my head whenever I read that from saying Chrono Tiger. I know it's Chrono Trigger, but it's like it's like the state of Illinois. When I see the word in my head, I hear Illinois. Why hasn't there been a Time Tiger game yet? A time-traveling yeah. tiger. Doesn't that sound like something that would make an awesome indie game? It would. Someone needs to get on that. Like, that's my political rant, though. Like, kind of, you remember that scene in Monty Python's The Meaning of Life? Where, like, Michael Palin's leg is gone? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll grow back. <laughs> now imagine that tiger traveling through time and having adventures. And appearing wow. everywhere, biting some guy's leg off. That would be awesome. And then maybe the game could switch up and Chrono stops meaning, like, chronograph and starts meaning color. Why would that happen? Because now you're just being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Steve. I am. I'm being stupid. <laughs> so you got a political rant this week? I do. It's more political what the fuck. Okay. I, some of our listeners might not be old enough to remember this, but there was a time when our president got all bouncy, bouncy up in arms about a government that had been repressing its own people and bullying its neighbors and generally being a dick that had at one point used chemical weapons. And this president said, look, we got to attack this country. Other countries, other people in the world said, whoa, 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 these guys are bad guys and they have used chemical weapons. In fact, they used them kind of while you were watching when they were fighting Iran. But we got some UN inspectors. Let's let them do their job before we make any kind of a decision. And our president said, no, no, we don't have time to wait for the UN inspectors. We got to go attack this country. It's a really big flipping deal. We got to do it right now. And so it was kind of like doing the Super Bowl shuffle with the fridge and everybody. It, it just seemed like the cool thing to do. Everyone said, all right. They jumped on board. We went in and what the fuck? There were no... WMDs. It couldn't even really articulate why we were at war or what the end game for the war was. It was just a big stinking mess. And I'm remembering this because I'm an old man now. And I'm looking at what's going on right now with Obama. It's the same damn thing. Not saying that these guys in Syria are good guys. Not saying that they didn't use chemical weapons against their own people. Maybe they did. Maybe somebody else did. But I still don't quite get why. What is happening that means we have to now attack them? I feel exactly the same as I did before Iraq. Like, you have a major case. I don't quite get it. And I have this real fear that those who ignore the lessons of history are doomed to go back in the Middle East and spend a bunch of money they don't have and get a bunch of people killed that don't need to get killed. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. That's my political what the fuck. Wow. Does it seem that way to you, Steve? It just, yeah, I, I feel like we should learn from recent history. And again, I always feel like I'm being spun. I'm not being told everything or I'm not being leveled with. There seems to be a deficit of honesty 
about the whole thing, it seems like. And this is supposed to be a president who was not going to follow the lessons of the previous president, that he was going to get us out of things, that he was going to do things differently, that he was the avatar of change. Yeah, but now the guy is going full on Bush like a 1975 playboy. You know what I'm talking about? Right, yeah. A friend a lot actually said it during his panel as he loved Obama, but he can't seem to shake the uh, military-industrial complex. Nah, can't seem. Can't seem. So, and the other thing I don't quite get is, okay, let's say we find out definitively that the Syrian government did use these terrible weapons on their own people and that they did that. Why? Why? What are we doing? And what's the end game? We're going to launch some cruise missiles into what? And how is that changing anything? I'm befuddled. Ben, Syria doesn't even have the kind of oil that Iraq had, right? Right. So I I I think that we knew at the time, it it was kind of like public knowledge that, well, Bush's story sounds like bullshit. This is about oil. But, you know, Saddam Hussein is a bad guy. So, okay. That was kind of it. I mean, nobody ever believed in the weapons of weapons of mass destruction. Or at least I, I didn't, and a lot of people I, yeah, I talked I to. Didn't. I kept waiting for them to find to do the big reveal. Yeah, it was like ah, it was about oil all the time. But yeah, you know. or ah, look, he's got a super death ray. But right. No, but look, just... he took his Olympic runners and made them stand in a vat of their own feces. I mean, you know, they would roll out like the horrible shit that Hussein was behind. Yeah, there's no shortage of horrible shit that goes on in that part of the world from all sides. It doesn't matter what side you back, they are bad guys. I just don't, there's, I'm confused, I'm befuddled, I don't get it. And really, I don't think we need to borrow any more money from China to go and spend killing people elsewhere. I would agree with that. We've got people right here at home we can kill, Steve. Wholeheartedly. (laughs) Do we now? Oh. Jesus. No, well, why don't we, on positive note, anyway. Yeah, well, that was fun. We packs. How about a little bone bat news? Hey, how about it? Hey, you remember uh, Matt and Shannon from Seattle Geekly? Indeed, I do. They're getting the band back together. Oh, that's so cool. They uh, hung it up in 2011 because, frankly, Weekly is a lot of freaking podcasts. I don't know. I respect wholeheartedly anybody who's a weekly show because that is a challenge, man. I don't. I don't respect them because we, they have no other life. We've got a nice balance because we're one week on, two weeks off. More or less. Yeah, we can Every spend once some... in a while I get an email from you saying we have a podcast tonight and I like pretend to get my act together and talk for an hour or two. Yeah, I may get tired of carrying you at some point. But you that's... may. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, they're actually doing a Kickstarter right now and uh, there's going to be about five days left by the time this show airs. So uh Go over and check them out there at seattlegeekly.net and uh, give them a few bucks. What's cool about them is that they interviewed everybody in geeky, nerdy interests. And frankly, their interests are a lot more far-reaching than mine and Gordon's. I mean, we hit the we're, high points. With, yeah, we're but, pretty narrow people. Yeah, we like comics and video games. We like the things that they that we like, but they go much broader. And so they're a great show to go to, especially if you live in the Northwest for events and concerts and conventions and cool things to do on the weekend. 
definitely a great podcast to follow. And as well, Matt and Shannon are absolutely charming, kind, wonderful people. So between that, I don't see any reason why they don't deserve your support. So give that a shot. Uh, Music-wise, Adam Warrock's new joint is coming out on November 5th, entitled Middle of Nowhere. I also had a chance to chat with uh, MC Frontalot a little bit. He's working on his sixth album, which uh, he hopes to have in mastering by the end of the year and expects to release next spring. So we will try to get him on the show and uh, play some of those cuts for you when the time comes. And that's all I've got news-wise. Okay, I got nothing news-wise. Why don't we listen to another tune? This is uh, another cut, of course, from Super Guitar Bros. This is Delfino Plaza from Super Mario Sunshine. I hope you dig it. Once again, that was Delfino Plaza by Super Guitar Bros, a cut from Super Mario Sunshine. I hope you dug it. So, dude, I'd like to talk a little bit about the music I heard at uh, PAX this year. Uh, Just a little bit. Yeah, on Friday night, uh, Julie and I actually uh, went out to a nice anniversary dinner. I'd just like to say for a moment, happy anniversary, sweetie. It's been uh, 16 si- years, 16 right? 16 years, yeah. And, uh, I love my wife. She's awesome. She went to PAX with me on our anniversary. I mean, can you wow. ask for oh, anything that? more? That's pretty sweet. So uh, after that, uh, we went out to a nice dinner, and then we uh, hit up the Lo-Fi Performance Gallery to see Soup or Villains, 9-1-K, Death Star, and Kirby Crackle. Uh, well, it was really cool for the first time. I hadn't seen this before. Kyle actually joined Death Star on stage for Broken Robots. And dude, his voice, it just gave me chills. That was neat to see them do that number live because it's always been recorded before. Did you tear up? I, I didn't tear up, but I thought it was pretty goddamn cool. It was an excellent musical moment, and I was glad I was there to see it. The other acts at Death Star, of course, did a great show. Played uh, Your Mom, uh, Social Apothecary, a lot of their good stuff. They didn't play Bounce, which kind of pissed me off. And we saw Steve a couple of times during the day, and we're like, you're going to play Bounce, right? No, we're not playing Bounce. Come on, play Bounce. I, I don't know why they don't play that song every single time. I don't know. Anyway. Kirby Crackle, of course, was awesome. They put on a great show. And then uh, the other two acts we saw were uh, Soup or Villains, which have a kind of a vibe pretty similar to uh, Adam Warrock, kind of a hard, nerdcore sound. Very cool, very sharp, very crisp, and uh, clever lyrics. Again, uh, really enjoyed them. And then 91K is actually comprised of Shubzilla and Lex Lingo. They're doing kind of this more dancey sort of a rap thing. 
Man, they just had. The oh, I love the Showzilla. Yeah, they had the house rocking. It was really cool to see them rocking that joint. So, uh, it was a fun time. The one thing we had to get out of there, we had to get back to the kids, but we missed Danimal Cannon, just an incredible guitar player, and also plays chip tunes. Uh, he was touring with uh, Metroid Metal before when we featured them on the show, but uh, I couldn't stay for him. I'm kind of sorry I had to miss that. I'm gonna have to hit him the next time he comes to town. On Saturday night, uh, my daughter and I hit the official Saturday Night PAX concert, and uh, opening that was a band called Hideo. Now, this is kind of actually not even a band, really. It's like a, I was going to say, is that a band or is that a thing? It's like a theatrical troupe, and they were doing this this dramatic performance interspersed with music, and it was like this sprawling story of like this lone gunslinger, and there's a guy with a vendetta that's out to get him. And it's interspersed with music from uh, anime and video games. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if it was because I was tired or what. I just found it supremely boring. And my daughter did too, and she's big into anime. The acting felt amateurish, and it slowed everything down. And like the highlight of the thing was a folk version of Super Mario Brothers, which... I don't really need a Mumford and Sons version of that in my world. I mean, that that's just not something I need. And Nobody so needs that. I, I don't know if this just wasn't for me, but it was completely lost on me. I did not enjoy it at all and was totally looking at my watch the whole time. Uh, it, but I don't think it was a prejudice against like folk music because the band that followed them was Portland's The Double Clicks, which is a, a pair of sisters who uh, play cello and guitar, or ukulele respectively, very similar to like a Pollen Storm-like approach. So acoustic, folk, uh, very clever, witty lyrics, and they were just amazing. They were charming, they were funny, they had a point to make with their music, and they were really entertaining. They just owned that theater on that night. It was great, and I honestly, I was thrilled that I got to see them for the first time with my daughter because they definitely have a geek girl empowering sort of a vibe. And after a great day of Dungeons and Dragons and video games and spending all this time with my daughter to kind of highlight it with something like that, I thought was a really cool bonding experience. So I love that. Yeah, the double clicks were badass. We immediately bought the CD after and I'd recommend checking them out. But that wasn't it. Following that, we had MC Frontalot, of course, and he always puts on a good show. It had been a few years since I had seen him. And he played a couple of favorites that he doesn't play all the time, a tongue-clucking grammarian. It was Pitch Black was really cool. And some other just great Frontalot tunes. So it was good to see him again. And then on uh, Sunday night, I went on Sunday with my son, Opening that official PAX concert was a Supergiant. Again, acoustic couple. Uh, they did the music for Bastion, the video game. They just played yeah. two numbers. But uh, that was pretty cool to hear that done live. And that was followed by Adam Warrock. And, man, it's impressive. It's always impressive to see, like, a nerdcore rapper, like a one guy with a laptop, own a room. And this is just a big cavernous theater. And he rocked it. He did a fantastic job. It was so fun. And then following him was uh, Super Guitar Bros, who, of course, you know from this very episode, uh, just amazing. And, you know, I don't know, what do you call those, the descending, is it arpeggios, the descending phrases in a, in a song? Sure, arpeggios. Yeah, okay, the arpeggios that they do in uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog song are just amazing. They're so fluid and so smooth and so beautiful. 
And I, I was just, again, another chill-inducing moment amongst the music at PAX this year. So very cool stuff. And then following that, Super Commuter, Wheelie Cyberman from Optimus Rhyme. Yeah. Rocked the place. Uh, they were a lot of fun again to see. They just played a lot of great numbers, and they were a lot of fun too. So, uh, but I was surprised my son made it all through the night. He he was up until like twelve thirty at night, and awake for every moment of PAX. He just devoured it, loved it. So that was really cool. Although it did make for a few challenging parenting moments, my friend. It did. So one of the songs Adam Warrock played was his uh, ode to Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, uh, Waka Flocka Swanson, the chorus of which is, you can't stop me, Ron fucking Swanson. And so he's getting the crowd all pumped for the crowd participation part of the show where everybody sings the chorus with him. And I look over, my son just grinning at me. And I'm like, oh, man, this once, once. And you, you have not seen the kind of joy on a 10-year-old boy's face that you see when he's allowed to yell the F word at the top of Permission his Permission to F word. Like 12 times in a row. So uh, It was funny, though. We were walking out of the theater, and we walked by Adam's table. And I said, say thank you to Uncle Warrock for giving you permission to work blue tonight. And he was like, uh, hey, <laughs> I went up to the top levels of PAX and asked if it was okay if I played this song. So he, he's a great guy. I have no problem with him at all. It was a lot of fun. But that was the only parenting challenge. We were, There's uh, more? Yeah, we were at the Penny Arcade merch booth where they had the, the shirts and the books and the DVDs and all that great stuff. I'm sitting there. I'm looking at a couple of things. My son picks up this little statue of uh, every gamer's favorite juicer. Yeah. And says, hey, Dad, what is this? And what is he doing to that orange? This was, of course, the fruit fucker. Yeah, yeah. yeah Tell him, well, that's... sometimes when a juicer and an orange love each other very, very much. <laughs> right, exactly. He pulps the shit out of it. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was one of those questions you get as a parent that you don't really know how to answer. So, uh, anyway, there was that. And then, uh, the, you know, third parenting challenge actually came tonight. It was after packs. Uh, tonight, it was after dinner. My wife and I were cleaning up the kitchen. We were chatting. And... Uh, the iPod was on the little cradle and it was playing some Death Star. And so my son comes in at one point and he asks a question and he pauses and doesn't say anything. And breaking the silence is, and that is why I put my penis in your cousin. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Death Star. Death Star fucking guys. God damn it. You know the thing with Death Star? They are now the unofficial soundtrack of PAX. They are ubiquitous there. We, what, everyone's playing them, or they're just always playing in your head? No, I'm telling you, we went to the evening concerts, and we're sitting mm-hmm. there, you know, waiting between bands, and all of a sudden I hear, is that Social Apothecary? They're in this huge theater, they're playing Death Star. A theater that they won't let Death Star play, <laughs> yeah, and they're the playing thing. the shit out of Death Star. They played like three or four songs, and they kept playing them. And then, on Monday when we were back home, I uh, put on Twitch TV, and I was watching a couple of the panels that we weren't there for Monday, and... Between panels, they were playing Death Star on Twitch TV even. Jeez. It was really cool to see that they, they played so much of their stuff. I, I hope that that bodes for our friends in Death Star playing the big stage one year. Because that would I be so amazing too. if they, they could make that happen. So. And I hope they remember the little people. I hope they, they do. Yeah, when they make it big that they remember the podcast where they first did your mom. Speaking of Twitch TV, I watched, as I mentioned, I watched a couple of panels on there. And uh, did you happen to uh, follow the Omegathon at all? Not at all. So you you know the Omegathon, it was kind of the, the thing oh, yeah. that, that we based the Bone Battle off of. It's the epic gaming tournament. 
and they closed it out this year with a game called Spy Party. Have you heard of Spy Party? I have not. Okay, this is a two-player game on PC. It's in open beta right now. You can get it for 15 bucks. And the two players play against each other. It is a spy versus a sniper. And so the sniper is looking through a pair of plate windows at a cocktail party. And people are milling around in the cocktail party, like maybe 12, 15 people. One of those people is played by the other player and is the spy. The spy has missions to accomplish, like picking up a briefcase that has microfilm or switching a pair of statues that are on these plinths. I'm getting nervous just listening to you. Without getting shot by the sniper. Each of these missions has a tell. Like, for instance, one of the things you have to bug the ambassador. So it looks like the spy is grabbing the ambassador's ass. In the meantime, the sniper is glassing the whole room through the scope. Each mission lasts like five minutes. And so it's very tense. Can the sniper get the spy before he accomplishes his mission? If the sniper shoots the wrong person, he loses. If the spy doesn't accomplish his mission, he loses. So there's also ways to lose or win that are different than just shooting the guy or accomplishing your mission. You know what I mean? Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, really cool game, really non-traditional because the two people are essentially, again, playing two totally different games. Yeah. And then they switch places. And it was really cool to see that on TV live on the big stage. So neat stuff. Uh, Again, I was really impressed with a lot of the non-traditional gaming that we saw this year. Let's talk a little bit about that. We've got our last three interviews up. The next interview is a game by a guy named Matt Gillenbach. He is the creator of Retrograde, which was sort of a musical shoot-em-up space game. And uh, he's got a new one called Neverending Nightmares. Evidently, he's had uh, battles with OCD and with depression. And he's taken his dreams from that period of his life. And he has used that to make this Edward Gorey-esque horror game. Hmm. And it's the kind of game where... You're walking through these hallways, and it's very dreamlike. And you know the kind of scared. There's the kind of scared where something pops out at you, like Doom, right? But there's also the kind of scared where you wake up in the middle of the night, and there's a pile of coats across the room, and it looks weird to you, and you freak out for a minute. That's what this game is. This game has like these just little moments of unease, like the lightning will flash, and you'll see a ghost behind you for a split second, and then it's gone. Or you'll walk by a series of windows and there'll be like a shape moving behind you. Or you'll be walking down a hallway and the candles are going out behind you one by one. It's just super eerie. And the whole game is black and white except for splashes of blood red. There's no inventory system. All there is is you have movement buttons and the ability to affect certain things in the world like pick up a candle or an axe or open a door. And that's all you can do. That's all the controls. Very simple, very clean, very creepy. It's got the, this ambient music that's kind of just ominous, kind of a moans and stuff like that, and uh, terrifying. I can't wait to play more. Right now, they have a Kickstarter going on. It's going to be going on until the end of September. And uh, for 10 bucks, you can get this game. So definitely something, if you're any sort of horror fan at all, I think you want to check out Never Ending Nightmares because it, it looks like it's really got the goods. Okay, then. Two other kind of non-traditional games that I saw is uh, Codename Sickness. Now this, uh, the guy caught me in the hall. And he's like, hey, I've got a game for you. 
and uh, it's completely an audio game. No graphics at all. So it's like an audio drama. It's a spy drama. And the only graphics that you see, it's for iPhone, iPod. The only graphics that you see are just your choices, like a choose-your-own-adventure. So a radio drama type of a choose-your-own-adventure spy story. It's like a podcast. Very much. As a podcaster, I thought that was intriguing because we're always trying to paint a picture with words. And to see a game based on that, I found really intriguing. My son played it, and it was really cool to see the look on his face. Like, he would get tense as these moments would come in the game. He'd make his decision, and he'd be like, yes! So he (laughs) he was really getting into it. It was very cool to see it sort of through his eyes. And then uh, the third game is a German game called Beat Buddy, which was really cool. It reminds me a lot of the Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet, a a game I know you were a fan of. Yeah. Where you're kind of floating through a liquid world of mazes. But everything is set to music. And so the music is pulsing and beating and spikes are going in and out in the beat. And so you have to kind of go between them while they're contracted against the music. And there are ways you can affect the beat and stop like a cymbal or different things. It has a really cool musical thing. And that is available now on Steam. So you should definitely check that out if you like musical type of games or uh, a maze shooter, kind of like in Slatenly Twisted Shadow Planet. It was really fun. So let's listen to these interviews. Okay. Once again, Steve here from the Bone Bad Show at PAX 2013. And joining me now is Matt from Infinitap Games with his new game, Never Ending Nightmares. Now, this is a really cool game, kind of a creepy vibe, dreamlike uh, uh, Edward Gorey-esque, I would call it, pencil-drawn levels. Very cool, very creepy. How did you get the idea for this game? Basically, it, it's really been the, the culmination of a lot of uh, a lot of different ideas. O- over the years, I sort of kept a designer notebook of all my game ideas. But I think that the main thing is I wanted to create a game that was significant, a game that was important, and I thought the best way to do that was to sort of channel my own personal struggles with mental illness and try to put that in a game. I've struggled and, and uh, you know, with mental illness for a long time, and, and really what inspired me to do it was uh, sort of the, the reception I got at, at a GDC talk. I gave a very frank talk about my obsessive compulsive disorder and uh, the difficulties I faced developing our last game, Retrograde. And the reception was really warm. And then I felt like, you know, now is the time. Now is the time we can, I can discuss this and, and people are ready to listen. One of the things I found interesting about it is the subtle fear of the shape in the corner, the shadow that passes by the window. These are the things that pop up in this game that make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Definitely. I mean, you know, I'm not afraid of monsters or ghosts, but, you know, those shadows, you know, when it's night and you see that thing out of the corner of your eye, I mean, that's the thing everyone's afraid of. Right, which is a a much more uh, kind of a a horror that we can all identify with than rather space monsters or whatever you have, the flavor of the week. Even zombies, which I do love, but this is a different kind of thing, a subtler horror to me. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We wanted to go sort of universal and the primal horror. And currently, you have a Kickstarter project to back this project, right? Yep. Yeah, we're on Kickstarter now. Uh, we have about four weeks left, and uh, we're, we're hoping we can we can reach our target so we can bring this game to you. Where can our listeners find the game? There's actually a playable demo on our Kickstarter page, or you can you can get the link from NeverEndingNightmares.com. 
I will have a link on the Bone Bat page as well, so you can jump right over from there. And a final question, Matt. We always ask all our listeners on the Bone Bat Show, what pisses you off? I don't know. It's it's tough to say. I think I think to some extent intolerance and and uh, tying back into the game, just people who who don't really understand mental illness and and sort of feel like there's a stigma against that. Because I mean, a lot of people struggle, and I, I think that's just part of life. And so. I feel like I, I wish people were more understanding about that and, and about everything, really. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and have a great con. My pleasure. Thank you. Steve here once again at PAX 2013, and joining me now is Jonathan from Reactive Studios. Yes, correct. Regarding his new game, Codename Cygnus. Now, I was really intrigued by this game because different from so many of the games I've been playing this PAX, it is an audio-only game. Yes, absolutely. We're actually calling it an interactive radio drama. Uh, what it is, we're trying to, to focus in on what people remember and consider, you know, the, the old-time radio dramas like Captain Midnight, The Shadow, Flash Gordon, and pretty much anything Orson Welles did. And, and we're, we're taking that and making it interactive where you're choosing your own path through the adventure and making up a character as you go. So it's kind of like you're, you're in the radio and you're providing an entirely audio experience that's voiceover, sound effects, and music to, to enhance the experience and tell the story along with, with the voice acting. So we're, we're releasing these in episodes, so they're about 15 to 20 minute episodes. We also are now on the app stores, so it's on iOS. And we are featuring some major voice talent from the industry, like Logan Cunningham, who played the voice of Bastion by Supergiant Games. And we also signed up Rob Wyatthoff. He was the voice of John Marston in Red Dead Redemption. Fantastic. As a podcaster, I found this totally intriguing because, you know, we're always trying to paint a scene with yes. words and sounds. And so that is a really cool thing for us. Now, this first game is a spy game, correct? Yes. Absolutely. We wanted to create the feeling of like being like like you're James Bond or you're the fantasy fulfillment of like being a secret agent. And so it speaks to you as though that the headquarters of your organization is in your ear in an earbud and you're prompted and presented with options and ideas on how you can proceed. And then you speak up actually with your voice and the voice is recognized based on the different options. If, for example, you're in a public space like here we are at PAX and the voice recognition won't work because there's too much noise, then you can tap on the screen. But really, that's the only visual element. There's just a menu that, that delivers content and then uh, a screen that you can tap on and or speak to, and, and that's really it. And what I find intriguing about this is the fact that this lends itself to any genre of entertainment. You can go from spies, sci-fi, horror, fantasy, Westerns, any number of things would actually make a great game in this way. Absolutely. And this is kind of the beginning. We want it to be episodic so we can kind of keep running it and sustain itself. We want to prove out the business model so that we can do more of these. And if we have enough people playing on a regular basis, we hope to get these out like an episode out maybe every two weeks or hopefully every one week, then the idea is that we'll expand into, into larger stories and maybe do like novel link adaptations or even other episodic dramas. So where can our listeners find the game? Yes. Well, you can find it on the App Store. Just search for Codename Cygnus. Or you can go to our website to look up more, and that's www.codenamedcygnus.com. That's Cygnus, yes. C-Y-G-N-U-S, yes. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, price point's one ninety nine. you said, per episode? Yeah, one ninety nine per episode. But you know, it's sort of like the way that you, you, you can purchase uh, a season of television on a DVD box. You can get a whole mission for cheaper for seven ninety nine. That's five episodes, three of which are out right now, two of which are coming in the future. Very cool. Okay, Jonathan, one question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. What pisses you off? Oh, what pisses me off? Oh, my goodness. Pretentious artists? 
partially because I, I have an MFA and I came into this industry as a playwright and uh, kind of moved over into the industry because I like to have fun and I was I didn't want to be too pretentious and I, I see a lot of people out there that are like this. I hate I, I really dislike pretentious artists. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing your game with me. I really appreciate it and have a great PAX. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Hey folks, we're back once again. This is Steve at PAX 2013, and I am here with Wolf from Threeks, that's Threeks with a T-H, about his game Beat Buddy. How you doing, man? I'm doing really good. First day, still keeping it cool, but <laughs> after six days of Gamescom, just last week. Yeah, but it's awesome here. That's a again. lot of convention in a very short time, man. It is, it is, but I mean, it's just, um, PAX is my favorite show in the world. We've been to PAX East. And it was just so incredible that they actually say, okay, stop, we don't let more people in. We want to have this at like a, more like a festival. Yeah. And um, it's such a pleasure to be here. And this time we have five people from the Threeks, so um, it's awesome. And afterwards we got a week of vacation as well. So. Oh, perfect. Well, yeah. you got that to look forward to. Yeah. So let's talk about Beat Buddy a little bit. Now, you had sent me a code, and I played a little bit of this. And sure. what it reminds me of is a Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet with this really cool set-to-music vibe to it. Yeah, it's actually interesting. Um, also, when we developed the game over the last four years, we figured that uh, not a lot of games have a, have it without gravity, so we have to come up with a lot of different game mechanics. But right now, it actually feels more like Echo the Dolphin from the oh, old yeah, sure. Sega, Sega Genesis. But yeah. graphics-wise, it reminds me also of the old Cygnosis Amiga games. It's actually, I mean, the graphic is all hand-painted, so yeah. like uh, Dennis... Um, did everything. This is also why his hands are broken at this point. <laughs> but uh, he said it was worth it. So um, everything is good. Yeah, it's a beautiful it's awesome. game. <laughs> that was Dennis. No it's not. <laughs> yeah. And then you have, again, the, everything is set to music. So right, right. as you go through the columns of this yeah. world, yeah. you are constantly having to serve the beat. So there's, a, you know, some creatures will expand and contract right, according right. to the music, and you're going to have to work within that in order to solve the level, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah it's actually the idea that kept us busy since the last four years. How can you make a game that is 80% a different game, and then on top, music is added to it, so everything gets into the flow? And um, with Beat Party, we actually had like five different prototypes over the last years. Sometimes a bit too much music, sometimes a bit too much gameplay, you know. So we wanted to get it right. And now it's, um, let's say, um, a full-blown action adventure or kind of platformerish game yeah. without platforms, without gravity. <laughs> but at the same time, um, since every level is an exclusive music song by Austin Wintry or Saber Pulse or Carlos Solar, it actually plays more like an interactive music video. It kind of so, does, yeah. So it's, so it's really exciting because all the instruments are visualized in game mechanics. It's all happening in real time. Right. So um, you really are inside the music. It's, and it's, uh, it's a really interesting feeling when you play it. I mean, even for us too. So. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So one of the things I'm curious about, we're big champions of independent music here on the show. How did you wrangle all of the different artists to do the music for the game? There's actually, like, my favorite story is when we won at E3, two interlevel level upwards last year, we've been backstage, and um, Austin Wintory, the composer of Journey, he was uh, conducting an orchestra for the Journey soundtrack. Okay. So, and we've been, like, backstage, oh, my God, oh, my God, that's him, that's him. 
And then initially came back and we were like, oh, hello, Mr. Wintery, we are a German indie team and we're making this music game. Blah, like, oh, hey, it's awesome. Nice to meet you, blah, blah. And it was extremely cool and it was so nice. And um, so we actually didn't first know what to expect from this whole idea. Because, I mean, if, if I would explain to you, yeah, it's like a musical action adventure where you play underwater without gravity and you, <laughs> you can walk forwards and backwards in music and every mechanic is an instrument and blah. That sounds a bit confusing, but it got him hooked. And um, the song he created is just mind-blowing because it's a bit like a six element style with an opera singer, but also with, with marching band sounds, a jazz trumpet and electronic beats. Yeah. So he actually said in an interview that no one ever asked to do music quite like that, <laughs> but uh, and also no one never will again. <laughs> so, um, so that's just amazing. Yeah. Well, it's very cool. So tell our listeners where they can find the game. They can find the game on Steam. Right now, there's a demo out since I think the beginning of last week. I'm losing a bit track of things at the moment. But there's a demo out, so you can kind of play what everybody at PAX is playing right here. And um, yeah, we're planning also the console development at this point. So uh, hopefully by the end of the year, we have more platforms where you can play it. But right now, it's PC, Mac, and Linux, so we hope we get a lot of people following it. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for letting us uh, see your work here on the show. And one last question. We always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show. Wolf, what pisses you off? Too many people at a convention that is made for half the people they should just to make more money. That's ruining it for everybody. And so I'm really happy that PAX does it right. Is that what GamesCon is like? That's what GamesCon is like times four. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. I love being here. <laughs> Even if you're in the sweaty suit? Yes, but you get so many hugs and so much love. It's, it's just incredible. So, um, yeah, I mean, that gets you over the day. And, Fantastic. Uh, sweet. All thank right, man. Well, thank you again. Awesome.
Once again, that last tune was the Castlevania medley by Super Guitar Bros. How much great video game music are we checking out this show, man? Uh, so much. So much. I could barely stand it. Pretty awesome. Uh, again, thank you to uh, Matt from Neverending Nightmares, uh, Jonathan from Codename Cygnus, and Wolf from Beat Buddy for... Uh, showing us their stuff i know we've been talking a lot about entertainment as it is but how about a little multimedia triage hey how about it you know i've been talking way too much i think you should take point on this okay i'll try so believe it or not i read books and uh when you're not walking on air (laughs) i've read some lately of course, the new Black Library Horus Heresy series book I, I had to read. It came out. This is a compilation called The Mark of Koth. Unlike the previous compilations that have come out of this series, where it's sort of higgly-piggly smattering of stories all over the place, these stories are all telling bits of the same narrative. It's, it's all advancing the story forward and what's happening on the planet of Kalf, uh, where the Ultramarines have just had their asses handed to them by the word bearers. So all the favorite authors are in there. You got your Dan Abnett, you got your Graham McNeil, you got them all. And, and they're each telling their own little bit of the story of this whole massive battle that's, that's taken place. So that, that's pretty cool. I, I got my, uh, my Warhammer Horus Heresy fix in. And then another regular, of course, is the Lee Child books. I just read the the newest Jack... Oh, actually, I don't think it's the newest. I Just newest for me, but uh, the Jack Reacher book called The Affair. Have you read that one, Steve? I have read that one. That was a pretty good one. Okay, yeah. So that one, unlike the others, this book sort of tells the, the origin of Jack Reacher as the sort of homeless wanderer. He introduces his toothbrush. It's it's the story of how he got to where he is. <laughs> it's the story of a man and his toothbrush. A man and his toothbrush that he thinks is pretty neat because it's portable. Yes, he can he can take the handle off and put it inside and put it right in his pocket. That's right, right in his back pocket. Yeah. So we've talked about Jack Reacher, the character, and these books to death. But uh, this one, I'd say it's a solid it's a solid Jack Reacher tale. And uh, if you're into the series, it's worth your time because this one tells his origin, if nothing else. Yeah. So check that out. Yeah, it's a good one. And then I've seen some movies. I saw The Way, Way Back. Have you seen this one, Steve? I have not. Which is in that same genre, I guess, as you might say, uh, Moonrise Kingdom of last year. It's a, it's a slow, character-driven movie that's uh, not as well shot as Moonrise Kingdom, but still... It, it was fun, and it was fun to watch uh, Steve Carell, who usually plays the hapless schlub hero of the story, to be a real villainous dick. <laughs> he was just really good at saying something that, if you take take him at his word, you take what he said literally, yeah, you know, he's not really being that bad, but the subtext of what he's saying, the look he's given, you just want to stab him in the face with a number two pencil. And, uh... That was a good movie to watch, just to slowly absorb the whole thing. And then, on the other side of things, I watched the movie Elysium. Have you seen this one, Steve? I have not. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. Sci-fi madness brought to you by the same guys that did uh, the shaky cam, not Area 51. What was that called? District. District 9. It's a sci-fi. You can't help but know what this thing is about. 
Earth is an overpopulated shithole. All the rich people live on a space station up above the Earth called Lysium. And it's the story about this one guy who's trying to hold down a regular shitty job but gets put in circumstances where he has got to go to Elysium and be the hero for all the world. It's linear. You know exactly where it's going from the beginning. And it's a lot of fun. The special effects are so good in this movie that they don't even look like special effects. It just looks like you're watching amazing shit. The downside to this movie is that once again, they feel the need to do the bouncy cam and they've taken it to such an well, extreme. Well, dude, but in fairness, District 9 was the bouncy cam film of that year. I mean, really that's was. his that's, style. You kind of know going in what you're going to get, right? That's his shtick. And you know, I was, I was much better prepared for it this time. I knew that during quite a bit of the movie, I would just simply have to look away from the movie. Hmm. It's really a shame. I would give the movie five stars, but because the director has chosen to make large portions of the movie unwatchable, you know, I got to drop it down to four stars. Okay. And it wasn't just grumpy old me. Well, we walked out of the theater with some friends. We all liked it. And like one of the first things my friend says to me, he turns to me and goes, man, that was a great fight scene. I wish I could have watched it. <laughs> like, dude, at some point, this, this bouncy camp thing has got to stop. But Yeah, it's like since but, the first Jason Bourne movie, fights have been on like this slippery slope of cutting and bouncing until yeah. they're, they're almost unintelligible. Yeah, maybe it's an old man thing. Maybe our kids can like, yeah, it looks like slow. What? Yeah, maybe, maybe so. It. It's like fast twitch eyeballs or something. Fast twitch retinas. <laughs> I don't have those fast twitch retinas, but in spite of my handicap, I still enjoyed the movie because I knew what I was getting into. Cool. Uh, also watched The World's End. I saw The World's End. What did you think? Yeah, that was a fun movie. I, I got exactly what I was expecting out of it. You know what was interesting was uh, out of the two end of the world movies this summer, Maybe the first one, what was that one called? End of the World? Uh, what was it called? This is the end. All the celebrities die. Yeah, right. this is the end. The Seth Rogen movie, This is the End. That one was maybe straight up over-the-top comedy, but this one had a lot more heart. I felt like it was saying a lot more. Although, following uh, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, it definitely seemed to be from older filmmakers, more maybe tinged with regret. You know what I mean? Well, there, there was that. I there mean, was that, definitely that was kind of a somberness to it. And the thing is, because you're, you're coming off these two movies where Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are like buddies. They're kind of like buddy movies, right? Right. And in this, their characters in this movie, Nick Frost's character does not even like Simon Pegg's character. No, they're former buddies. Yeah. But, and, no. you know, you sort of miss that camaraderie a little bit, but there's so much heart there and so much character-driven comedy, the way that the different characters would act i mean there were some hilarious scenes and i don't even want to give away like what's going on in the film yeah the commercials are giving away too much just go see them yeah just go see it it's great and especially if you liked the first two movies in the cornetto trilogy you'll love the third it's it's more heartfelt maybe but wow it's a great film and i really liked it indeed Uh, other thing we've been watching lately is orange is the new black now you watched that right I did. I like this here. I, I alerted you to this because Laura Prepon in the first like 10 seconds of the movie was like in the shower with another chick. So right there, you, you got me sold. I didn't even notice that. And frankly, there wasn't nearly enough of that. <laughs> 
But uh, the, it's the story of uh, Piper Kerman uh, is the actual woman who wrote the book that this show is based on. And it is about a woman who had uh, an affair with a heroin dealer like a decade before. And, uh, I wouldn't even call it an affair. I mean, they had a serious romance. I don't know what it was. It was a relationship. It wasn't long term, though, because she was like just out of college. So a couple years, maybe. But uh, she moves on with her life and is about to get married to this guy. And she gets arrested and is told that she's going to prison for drug trafficking. And so she goes into prison and it's kind of her story, the story of this character and how she deals with this sentence of 15 months in a woman's correctional institution. And it's fascinating early on because just kind of the, the nuts and bolts of what you go through when you go to prison and the effects and the other characters, like how they got there. But uh, I found we, we kind of binge watched it. And by the 13th episode, I was kind of tired of the character. I thought uh, the, there's a certain level of self-centeredness there. And it, it, she was grating on my nerves. So I'm, I'm happy to take a break from Piper. <laughs> well, I liked it, but I didn't watch it all in one like big chunk like you did. Yeah. I liked the interaction of the, between the characters. I liked you sort of learned about each one and learned the relationships as it went. I thought, I thought it was a well-done series, and I liked the ending. Uh, they've left it open. I guess they could do yeah, a, another year of it or, or another the, season of it, or they could not. The second season has already been uh, signed off on, as I understand. So there oh, will, well, there see, will there definitely be a second season. Okay. I'll watch it. But, you, uh, yeah, and it's on Netflix, not? so you can you know you can definitely try an episode or two and see if you like it. It's, it's good. It starts out well. Although, I hate the opening theme song. Oh, that doesn't bother me a bit. It bugs the shit out of me. I have to fast forward. It's just shrill and shrieking and shut up. Yeah, well, damn, it's not that bad. Oh, it bugs me. It bothers me. Better than half the shit you listen to. (laughs) Yeah, fuck you. (laughs) Hey, it's a family show. New Entombed album was just announced this week. (laughs) Dude, Alex fucking, like, held out on us. He didn't even tell me they were working on a new album. It's coming out like November. Back to the front. He does like a 16-hour interview with you. I have no idea, but badass. So, yeah, new Entomb album forthcoming. I forgot about that. I should have said that in the news. Anyway, uh, the other thing uh, I read, Jess from Death Star, MC3PO's suggestion was Old Man's War by John Scalzi. That was... Was that good? Because I actually have that on my Amazon wish list. I've almost bought that. That is a great book. It's the story of in the future. Yeah, he told us last episode. Jeez. He didn't, he didn't give you this. the whole rundown. Basically, right. what it is, is uh, instead of being conscripted when you're young, when you're old and you're, no, you're getting towards the end, you can decide at age 65 to basically enlist in the army. And you have 10 years to wrap up your essentials. And then at age 75, you report. And they take you to space and they do something to make you ready to fight again. And it's about how this guy deals with that. And I don't want to give anything away, but it was compulsively readable. The characters are good. The writing is brisk. He doesn't waste any words. Almost Elmore Leonard-esque in his moving things right along, like three-page chapters. He doesn't dick around at all. Really well done. If you like something like Starship Troopers, this was reminiscent of that, but like Scalzi's own take on it. And there was a lot of unique concepts in it, which were really cool, I thought. Things I found that, Starship Troopers rather wordy and that it, it always 
talked its way around the point that made you come up with the point yourself. It's a tiny little thin book, though. It doesn't. I don't know. I I felt I felt it was like a quick read. I I don't know. It was a long time ago I read it. Anyway, Old Man's War is really good. I enjoyed it. I think you should check it out. Cool. You know, I listen to a podcast besides ours every once in a while. Do you ever listen to Gweek? Gweek? Gweek. G W E E K. No. Ah, it's a take the words geek and week and you put them together. Gweek. It's by uh, Mark uh, Fraunfelder who is involved in the Maker Project. He's uh, one of the big wheels of Boing Boing. And he does this wonderful little podcast. So he makes Boing Boing? He makes Boing Boing. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds dirty. (laughs) He does this wonderful uh, little podcast about a lot of the same stuff we do. And like us, he includes uh, geeky things that he and his uh, spawn, his daughter, are into. And i got to call your attention to one particular episode, episode 108. That's 108. Go find it and listen to it because he eventually sets up shop with uh, Martin and Olivia Olson. And they are um, a daughter and father, much like this podcast that, uh, you know, the episode 108 you're listening to because it's the father and his daughter doing the podcast with a father and daughter. And if you don't know their names, his daughter, who's 21 years old, Olivia, she plays the character of Vanessa Doofenshmirtz? Doofenshmirtz? Oh, Doofenshmirtz? on Phineas uh, and Ferb. Phineas Ferb, yeah. And I, I haven't watched that cartoon a lot. I've seen it a bit, but something I have seen more of, she also plays... Uh, Marceline the Vampire Queen on Adventure Time. Nice. And what's kind of cool is her dad plays the Lord of Evil, Marceline's father, in Adventure Time. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. And they do other things together. I mean, they sing songs together. They've got a CD coming out. And they've been making music like ever since she was a little, little girl. And he's the author of the Encyclopedia of Hell, (laughs) which was pretty cool. And the Adventure Time Encyclopedia, which he writes nice. in character as the Lord of Evil, which is pretty cool. Anyway, it's a cool podcast if you like the kind of things we talk about. If you like cartoons, comic books, books, games, apps, that sort of thing, check out Week. You will not be disappointed. All right, and just to bring things full circle, uh, one last review of a video game. Uh, last week, I actually got to play the demo for... Space Hulk. Now, this is a remake of the original uh, Warhammer 40K Games Workshop board game and the 1993 video game for PC and Amiga from Full Control Games in Copenhagen. Turn-based strategy. You have the tried-and-true Blood Angel Space Marines patrolling a vast floating derelict spaceship in space and the ship is of course infested with gene stealers which are very similar to the aliens from the film series for those of you who aren't up on your warhammer 40k fluff anyway the game is mission base your space marines have to enter this derelict ship carry out some sort of a mission and reach a point of egress without being destroyed very difficult because there are multiple points of infestation for the gene stealers they can attack you from any angle and there's usually a ton of them Uh, and you are limited to a finite number of troops each mission the good stuff about it is it's a pretty good 
reflection of the original game up right up until you can kind of see the dice rolling in the corner and it tells you how you fared when you're in a battle with a gene stealer it looks pretty good from the top down view and it's pretty fun if you have played space hulk before you're aware of the game the bad stuff is the interface is kind of clunky it feels like it's always lagging and your guys are moving really slow the animation is repetitive and the missions are a little bit one note uh, from what I saw. Now, the demo that they gave me only has three missions in it. So I didn't really get a good cross section of what's all in the game. But uh, those were my impressions anyway. The one other thing is that the game is available now on Steam. It came out on August 15th of uh, this year. But it's 30 bucks on Steam. And for a game like this, I would pay 15 I would pay 10 I'd definitely pay 5 But 30 bucks, I think, from what I've seen, is too expensive for this game. So I will definitely wait for it to go on sale. Uh, there's a lot of good things there, but it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. So I don't give it an unfettered recommendation. If you're a fan of Space Hulk and Warhammer 40K, definitely worth looking at. But I'd watch for a sale price. All right, and I think that's all we've got for this week, uh, triage-wise. How about a filthy joke? Filthy jokes! God, it's so nice to get to talk again in this podcast. I'm, I'm really digging this. <laughs> well, I won't take up much of your time then. Hey, uh, did you hear about the guy who had a penis transplant? No. Did not end well. His hand rejected it. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. All right, so a sadist, a murderer, and necrophiliac and a masochist were all sitting together on a park bench one day. And the sadist says, Hey, I got an idea. Why don't we get a cat and torture it? And the murderer enthusiastically chimes in, Yeah, and then we can kill the thing. And then the necrophiliac says, Yeah, and then we can have sex with it after it's dead. They all nod in agreement. They turn to the masochist. He looks back at the three of them and goes, Meow. <laughs> that's not right what's wrong with you so much is wrong with me <laughs> all right well just uh wrapping up packs a couple of last notes uh, we all had a great time again it was really fun to uh just kind of immerse ourselves in gaming a couple of things we picked up actually uh, have you heard of a game called cards against humanity yes i have have you played it I think I played a demo of it at the last PAX. Did you? I, I how did I miss did. that? That is a dark, fun little game. Every yeah. Everybody was carrying about around a box of it, and so I went in and checked it out, and I asked a couple of people about it. Ended up bringing home the home game and uh, played a little bit with Julie and uh, my daughter the other night, and it's pretty damn funny. I think this would be a fun game for us to play together. So, I think so, too. The next time we get together, uh, I'll definitely bring the box, because it was a blast. Also, I didn't even know Zombie Dice has an expansion. What, Extra Dice? Extra Dice, yeah. You can add the hottie. She has extra footsteps. The uh, football player, who has extra shotguns. And Santa Claus, who I don't even know what he does yet. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. I haven't even opened the expansion, but I, I thought that was pretty cool. So those are a couple of things I picked up there. And, uh, you know, it, like I said, PAX is always awesome because 
you can just spend time just doing the video game stuff, or you could do just tournaments or card gaming or Magic the Gathering or D&D or whatever, but I find it best to just the mixture of all this. You, you know, you can kind of cross-pollinate and play a lot of different kind of games and see a lot of neat things and really make it a robust experience. And I had a great time. My family had a great time. Now, you know, one of my, the biggest things, I mean, I do have a few criticisms, one of which is still the challenge of getting tickets i mean now am i looking at having to get four tickets a year you know it it could get hard to get tickets for this con as as difficult as it is now because my family loves it too so i hope they figure out a way to make it more available to everyone or or something happens that would like a plague the other thing that (laughs) yeah that the other thing that i do kind of miss is you remember the queue line room Remember they yeah. used to have like screens up where they were showing like parts of old video games and commercials and people would be texting in. There was like a, a stream of stuff while people were goofing around the line. You, they would ask questions and people in the audience would answer it and stuff. Yeah. That's gone. This year it was like there was just a, a screen with like Doritos and Mountain Dew on it who were sponsoring a, a Xbox One PS4 contest to win a system. And I just, I, I thought I missed that, that sort of grassroots gaming type of a thing that has gone, you know, in favor of like this corporate appearance. Yeah, that's too bad. I felt kind of taken care of. Like, uh, they go, yeah, you know what? We know you're in line and it sucks. So here's some fun stuff to look at. Yeah, exactly. And that was just not a thing anymore. And I, I kind of missed that about it. So those are really, though, it's sort of nitpicky. Those are the two things that, you know, worry me or bother me about PAX. That, and I'm definitely saddened by how the whole Dick Wolves thing has kind of besmirched my favorite convention. But I'm not going to get into that now after three hours of show. So beyond that, it was really a good time. And I, I look forward to many, 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 many more. Uh, such a fun show. And I hope you can make it next year, man. Because uh, Yeah, me too. It, it, it definitely wasn't the same without you. Although I oh. did have a great time with my family. Why don't we do a few thank yous? I'd like to thank Super Guitar Bros for sharing their music with us. Again, uh, you can go to the Bandcamp link on the Bone Bat homepage and buy their album. Uh, Just beautiful music. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. I'd like to thank all of the different exhibitors and game makers and all these creative folks who joined me to talk a little bit about their work on the show. It was really cool to spend time with all of them and to learn about so many, so many cool games. And honestly, dude, I didn't even touch like a small percentage of everything that's out there at PAX. I'm sure. And I think that's about what I've got. So our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com. I've got new content on bonehand.com a lot of weeks, uh, including uh, the heavy half hour when we're not doing the Bone Bat show. I'm going to do a video game metal show here shortly. Uh, There's a band called Equilibrium that did a metal version of the Skyrim theme, and I cannot wait to bust that on the audience. So that's going to be some fun stuff. And you can find my cartoon most weeks, most Thursdays at MightyWombat.com. Twitter, I am Mighty underscore Wombat when I feel the urge, and we have a Facebook page. We do indeed. We also have a Twitter feed. We are BoneBat on Twitter, and you can find me individually as BoneHand on Twitter as well. Thank you, of course, for listening, and if you like what we do, please tell a friend. We do uh, appreciate it when you can spread the word. 
In closing tonight, uh, I've already mentioned this. One of my favorites from Super Guitar Bros, their Sonic the Hedgehog medley from their brand new album. Pick it up on Bandcamp. I hope you dig this as much as I do. Once again, I am Steve. This is Gord. Thank you for joining us, and have a good one, man. I do have a good one.
Are you still there? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know if you dropped out. <laughs> no, I'm just going to wait until you say something. I'm going to wait you out, motherfucker. Gonna, okay. That's it. That got weird. <laughs> Let's just see who's going to blink first. Game over. <laughs>